gentlemen of the jury, the prosecution is not going to get that man today. No, because I'm going to get him. Ladies and gentlemen, to this edition of the Hagman Report, it is great to be here today. We broadcast each and every weekday, 7 to 10 p.m. Eastern Time on Global Star Radio Network. We have live video on YouTube as well as simulcast on Blog Talk Radio. we got a fantastic show lined up for you tonight. We have uh, a few guests coming in, uh, a new one-debut guest, as well as James Wesley Rawls, who will be with us in the final hour. Our 8 o'clock guest is James Earls, and you can go to his website at jamesearls.com. We got a, a lot of stuff that we're going to get into tonight. Um, lots of news going on, uh, important information we're going to, we're going to cover in this first half hour, and possibly, uh, my sister Jackie might be joining us in this first half hour if she can make it back to the studio on time. We're going to start out tonight, uh, and just to let you know, portions of tonight's program are brought to you by Omaha Steaks. We will have more on that later, but look at those steaks if you're watching on YouTube. That looks delicious. Um, I want to thank everybody for their prayers and their their uh, you know messages of support. Yesterday, uh, my father came on and, and explained what happened uh, to his wife, Renee. Uh, she had to have surgery a few nights ago. She's doing well. She's recovering nicely, still at the hospital, but everything looks good. I want to thank you guys very much for all the support and all the prayers. We've been receiving a lot of messages, and that is very, very kind. We're going to start jumping right into the news with uh, the what what Trump said today and the about the Paris Climate Accord pulling out the USA pulling out of the 2015 Paris Climate Deal, and we're going to cover that and some of the reaction to that which is, you know, sad and humorous all, all at the same time, as well as, um, I don't know how many people saw this, but 2017 Bilderberg is underway, excuse me. And what is different about this year, um, you know, we will find out. The Bilderberg meeting is in Virginia this year. Every year they meet in different locations. I think in 2008 during the presidential race, uh, the when Obama and Hillary were running against each other for the Democratic nomination, they held the Bilderberg meeting in the same location in Chantilly, Virginia. And this is, uh, the meeting was kicked off today again in Chantilly, Virginia. And you have the, uh, global power brokers or the, the elites of the world of, you know, politics, business, the economy, and much more. But what's interesting about this year's Bilderberg and each year they, they release to the public a list of, of what they're going to talk about. This year is different. InfoWars has a, a good story that summarizes what is going on with these power brokers and their agenda is, seems specifically geared toward ending Trump's presidency, undermining him at, at every turn and at any chance they get. Uh, this article from InfoWars, exclusive Bilderberg schemes to overthrow Trump. Elites begin effort to reverse America First revolution 
and Brexit. And just a, a few words from the, the article. Sources close to the elitist Bilderberg Group conference tell InfoWars that globalists see their agenda as being in deep trouble and that Donald Trump poses a dangerous risk to the international order and must be brought to a heel or turfed out of office. Uh, over the years, InfoWars has developed sources close to the conference who feed them information ahead of time as to the real agenda behind the scenes, not just the vague list of topics released officially to the media by Bilderberg. And this is one thing, one area where uh, InfoWars and Alex Jones do a great job on, uh, they've been covering uh, Bilderberg on scene, you know, for for at least a decade now, and they were they had this on their radar before mo- most people really knew what it was before it was thrust out into the mainstream. And their their sources always seem to be accurate with exactly what it is that is being talked about behind closed doors and the agendas that these globalists are trying to push. Now. You know, what's interesting about, about Bilderberg and the meetings like this, whether it's the Council on Foreign Relations, uh, the Trilateral Commission, any type of these, uh, these think tanks where the unelected power brokers of the world meet to formulate agendas, uh, furthering their plans that are oftentimes contrary and even against the laws and, uh, direction of of America and its constitution. So it's no surprise, uh, as we've seen, as we have seen the global pushback against Trump and the Trump administration. It is no surprise that these, uh, these people, these global, globalists are going to do everything they can to try to derail Trump and his agenda. Now, uh, where this article about Bilderberg intersects with the climate, uh, Paris climate agreement is here as follows. With the U.S. about to pull out of the Paris Climate Agreement, Trump is dangerously obsessed with derailing the current world order, according to one Bilderberger, a fear that has intensified since Trump chided world leaders at the G7 summit last week. Now, I'm sure we're going to learn a lot more about what is going on behind the scenes at Bilderberg, but that takes us to the Paris Climate Agreement. And Trump made some statements today while he was in Pennsylvania. I represent the people of Pittsburgh, not Paris. As Trump pulls out of the U.S. climate accord, saying it is a foreign attempt to seize American jobs and American wealth and is immediately attacked by Obama. Sorry for the little glitch there. We have, uh, we have studio dog fights, uh, ongoing and, uh, they bumped into the camera. But yeah, it didn't, uh, as Trump announced that he was, uh, withdrawing from the, the Paris climate accord, which is absolutely the right thing to do. It was one of his campaign promises. The backlash uh, started to pile in by the former President Obama, by Hillary Clinton, by many others. People are even saying that because Trump pulled out of this climate deal, that millions of people are going to die. It's that serious. It seems like everything Trump does, you know, the repeal of Obamacare, oh, it's going to kill millions of people. The removal of the from the U.S. to uh, this Paris climate deal. Oh, it's gonna it's gonna kill it's gonna kill tons of people. Even the Pittsburgh Post Gazette, um, you can anymore. It's so easy to spot bias in the media, and I just want to read the first few sentences of this article because it points out the level of insanity that these people 
are operating under uh, this delusion that they're operating under. Uh, this is from the Pittsburgh Post-Gazette. This is today. President Donald Trump said Thursday he would withdraw from the, U- the U.S. from the Paris Climate Agreement, striking a major blow to worldwide efforts to combat climate change and distancing the country from many allies abroad. He said the U.S. would try to renegotiate uh, re-entry on better terms. As of today, the United States will cease all implementation of the non-binding Paris Accord, Trump said during the White House meeting at the Rose Garden. Suggesting renegotiating re-entry was not a major priority, but went on to say, if we can, great. If we can't, that's fine. Now, here's where the article gets interesting. By abandoning the world's chief effort to slow the tide of planetary warming, Trump fulfilled a top campaign pledge, but he was also breaking from many American America's staunchest allies who have expressed alarm about the decision. The article goes on to point out that uh, when Donald Trump says that he was, represents the citizens of Pittsburgh, not Paris, the president said during his speech, uh, Allegheny County was won by Democratic presidential candidate Hillary Clinton. Clinton in Pittsburgh gathered 114,000 votes, while Trump only won 31,000. So the paper here is trying to make the case that uh, even though Trump's saying he represents the citizens of Pittsburgh, not Paris, they're trying to say that, well, he doesn't represent the citizens of Pittsburgh either because the uh, Pittsburgh and the county that they're located in, Allegheny County, had voted for Hillary Clinton uh, with the popular vote, and and she gained uh, almost three times more votes than Donald Trump. Anyway, uh, the article goes on to talk about the, the Obama. Under former President Obama, the U.S. has agreed to reduce carbon emissions uh, by 26% to, two, uh, to levels of 2005, about 1.6 billion tons. But Trump said the agreement disadvantaged the U.S. to the exclusive benefit of other countries, leaving American businesses and taxpayers to absorb the cost. And that's very true. All this global warming, uh, climate change, carbon tax stuff is a big, uh, it's a big theft of wealth from people. It is uh, trying to implement taxes to with the with the stated purpose of reducing carbon emissions, somehow paying more money uh, or taxing the people more is supposed to reduce carbon emissions. But the article uh, goes on, and I'll finish after this uh, point. Scientists say the Earth is likely to reach more dangerous levels of warming sooner as a direct result of the president's decision to pull out of this climate accord. You heard that right. The Earth is likely to reach more dangerous levels of warming sooner as a result of the president's decision to leave because of America contributes so much to rising temperatures. Calculations suggest withdrawal could result in emissions of up to 3 billion tons of additional carbon dioxide in the air a year, enough to melt ice sheets faster, rise sea levels, and trigger more extreme weather. The article goes on to talk about how many people are going to die because Donald Trump's action to put American workers first and put America first. Anyways, that's from the the Pittsburgh Post-Gazette. And even uh, Mayor de Blasio, mayor of New York City, if you want to hear some more insanity, he says, de Blasio doubles down on Paris Climate Pact as Trump prepares the ditch deal. President Trump may plan to pull out of the Paris Accord on climate change, but New York City won't. Mayor de Blasio will sign an executive order later this week to maintain the city's agreement to the international pact to fight to fight climate change, he announced Wednesday during a press conference in Red Hook. 
If cities and towns and countries and states all over the country step up and agree to abide by the Paris Agreement, we can forestall the worst. We can stop what the president, what President Trump is about to do from having the devastating effect on our own people. So de Blasio says he's going to issue an executive order to keep New York City in the Paris climate agree, uh, uh, deal. The Paris climate deal is a treaty. It has to be ratified by the Senate before it even takes effect in this country. I don't know. I, I, he's the mayor of the city. He has to be smarter than this. He can't issue an executive order binding himself to an international agreement at the cost of uh, the own uh, laws of his state and his country to a treaty that hasn't even been ratified by the Senate. It's not even an, an accepted agreement. It'll be interesting to see where this goes. Now, we're going to switch gears a little bit here. Jackie has made it into the studio, and she wants Finally. to come on and join us. What do you got going on? Um, I don't know. I came late, so I don't know what I missed. I don't know what you said. I was just talking about some of the the news of the day from the... I mean, did you, like, give any... Did you talk about... Like anything that's going on with, with the family or anything? I just thank people for the prayers and the messages of support and just, uh, basically said that they're, they're, she's still in the hospital and she's, uh, recovering though. But go ahead and give she us She is. Update. No, um, yeah, I was gonna say basically the same thing. Sorry if I look like a hot mess because I was there all day today. I don't know what I look like. Oh, okay. Yeah, pretty bad. You look fine. Anyways, um, yeah, no, she's doing good. She's doing a lot better than what, what she, uh, what she was. Um, but yeah, thanks for, thanks for all your messages and, um, kind words and stuff. Um, it means a lot because I don't know. I mean, like 99.99% of you guys don't know me, but I'm a very, very emotional person. Um, just ask Eric. I cry at everything. There was this boy on Ellen the other day who, won a lifetime supply of cheese balls and I started crying for Wait, what? There was a kid on Ellen the other day who was Oh like, Ellen, okay. Ellen, yeah. Did you and, watch that? I mean it was on, so I was watching it. It was like this genius four year old boy who like could point to or like name any state and he could point to a spot on the state and that's where the capital would be. Like he was a genius. Anyways, but his favorite snack was cheese balls. So Ellen gave him a lifetime supply of cheese balls and I started crying. So, I never used to be like that. I used to be totally, like, cold-hearted. That's pretty funny. Never cried. First time I watched Passion of the Christ, I didn't cry. But now you show it to me now, don't even come near me because I will bawl my eyes out. But anyways, so yeah, I was reading all these messages from you guys, and I was, like, like tears everywhere. So, thank you guys for everything. Um, it really does mean a lot, and I know it means a lot to my mom and to my dad. Um, but yeah, everything's doing... Doing good, going going great. So thanks, guys. Yeah, absolutely. Uh, and uh, I don't know if you've been, uh, if she's up and about, able to read or not. If we've shared any of the, oh, yeah. the nice yep. messages that that we've gotten, but that that does always help. And uh, I mean, it, it it's big to have that that support system uh, of people praying for you and sending you messages of support. Because believe it or not, even scientific studies show that people who are who are sick, who are uh, you know have cancer, whatever the the case may be, when you have uh, when when you yourself pray, and I believe this is true with surgeries, people who pray before surgery uh, have a twenty three percent better success rate or, or less complications. The bottom line is the studies prove or show a direct correlation uh, from prayer to 
to better results, whether it's for recovery or for, uh, you know, less complications. And to have a support group or a group of people out there who are constantly keeping you in your prayers, uh, you know, a lot of times the people don't see the results of what it is they're praying for, um, but, but they do work and, and we appreciate that so much. Uh, Jack, is there anything else you wanted to get into while, while you're here? Hmm. I thought you, when you said you were going to come on, I thought you had, uh. I mean, no, nothing, nothing fancy, nothing in particular. What do I think about the Trump head? Eric, do you really want to get into this? What's the Trump head? Kathy Griffin. Oh, yeah. Let's talk about that a little bit. Folks, Why? I don't know if you saw Kathy Griffin, um, a comedian, kind of raunchy, I guess did some stuff on New Year's Eve on CNN. Uh, every year, uh, was photographed in an ISIS style, uh, ISIS themed picture holding a, a mock decapitated head of Donald Trump. She has been let go, uh, by CNN, and I think the only thing she did there was the New Year's, uh, celebration or whatever you call it. And she's also, uh, lost endorsements from, and jobs from a few, uh, I think it's casinos that she, appears in when she does her comedy routine. What do you think about it, Jackie? Do you think it's a, it's a freedom of speech issue? Do you think that well, she should have had her endorsements pulled or should have been fired for that? I think it's, I think it's awful. I think it's absolutely awful. It shouldn't, it's not the fact that it's even Donald Trump. It's the fact that it's anybody. I think it's terrible to, to claim that murder is, can be justified. You know. Well, yeah, yeah. And I think another really, really bad part about it is the fact that uh, President Trump's 11-year-old son saw it and thought it was real. Oh yeah, you mentioned that, that yesterday. Terrible. Yeah, um, and I don't know if you, I'm sure you haven't read some of the things that people have written about his son, but they're very cruel. Um, yes. Usually the the president's family. Or politicians in general, their families are off limits. At least when it comes to, uh, if it's just reporting, you know, some matter of fact, that's different. But when it, when the family's brought in to be slandered or defamed or, or mocked or made fun of, that's usually a no-go zone, uh, when it comes to the media. And it's pretty much an unspoken rule, an unwritten rule. But that seems the, all the rules seem to have gone out the window under Trump and the media and how um, how there's, I don't want to say so mean, but, but they're, they are, uh, they're vicious and it's a new level of hate. It's a new level of, uh, insanity. And it's not just the media. We continue to see this rise of evil, uh, from the, the brainwashed masses of people out there. And this is going, going to increase as we continue to move. Um, you know, a lot of people believe we're in the end times. A lot of people believe that. Uh, these are the last days that the Bible talks about. And I, I would agree with that. You know, we don't know when uh, the end will be. It could be tomorrow. It could be in, a, in 300 years. But as that day and as this time grows closer, the level of evil that is going to be manifesting from people uh, is going to continue to increase. We see it already with the rhetoric in, in politics. But today in the studio here, we were reading a story before the show about some 16-year-old girl who stole the machete from Walmart, got into an Uber car, and then hacked the driver to death from the back seat. Some what? Some 16-year-old girl. And it was a completely random act of, of unprovoked violence. This is the kind of evil 
that we are going to be contending with. And just imagine, there's going to be a time sooner than later when most people who are not believers in God are going to be wholly turned over to this evil. And this will be the norm. And it's, um, you know, we see, we see the writing on the wall as we draw closer each and every day. But yeah, that's uh, crazy that his son thought that was actually him. I haven't taken a good look at the picture. But. I mean, do you remember when you were 11 years old? Mm-hmm. Absolutely. If, what if you saw your dad on TV, like in somebody's, like his head in somebody's hands? Yeah, that would be uh, that would be crazy. Um, I'm, but my grandfather, he died when I was uh, 12 years old, and I remember that you know how sad that was, and it was a, a death from cancer, and I was fortunate enough not to have gone through anybody close to me or related to me go through any type of violent death. But yeah, that would be, that would be traumatizing. Um, absolutely. Uh, yeah, I, I couldn't imagine that. I couldn't I, imagine being a parent and having that happen to where, uh, your kid was, you know, believed you were dead, not only died, but was murdered and somebody was holding your head for a picture on TV. That would be, um, that would be horrific. I don't remember when I was 11 years old. No? I, no. I don't even, I was fifth grade. Does that sound right? I was 10. Yeah, about right. Fourth, fifth Here's, grade. I'm about to show my age here. I was 10 when September 11th happened. That was in fourth grade. I remember that. So I was in fifth grade when I was 11. Yeah. I don't remember it. I remember getting yelled at by my teachers, but that's about it. I know we only have a few minutes left before the break. I'm, I'm, ready to tell a story from from being that age something that that dad did to us um as a joke and uh i might as well tell it since we're since we're coming up on the break i think it was right around halloween and it was me and and my brother josh and uh dad and renee when we were at the house over uh, uh on brown avenue there way back when and we're all sitting around, and, and I think it was a weekend. We're watching TV, and all of a sudden, this newscast comes on about how aliens or UFOs were spotted, and uh, they believe they landed in in some random town. And uh, then it goes, it shows the you know some footage of the ships in the air, and you know we're kids, so we're sitting there and we're looking, and you know, is this real? Is this real? And they're oh my goodness, they're acting all all surprised and. Uh, you know, helping us to buy into this story. And then, you know, they cut back to the newscaster and they're talking about aliens and the history of aliens and the possibilities of why they would be there. Freaking and love then aliens. They, they come back uh, to this town where these aliens supposedly landed and the town is completely empty. And long story short, the, our parents got us all freaked out. They, they put a tape in when we weren't looking and made us believe we were watching actual news footage <laughs> Was it the, 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 I know what you're talking about. Is it the green tape or the green? I don't remember. I know what you're talking about. But for, you know, I don't know, in my mind, in almost, for almost an hour, a half hour, hour, we were freaking out under the impression that we were being invaded by aliens. <laughs> I was so, I remember I was so freaked out. I went and grabbed the, the Bible that was on the bookcase and just held it because being so confused and, and, uh, you know, frightened. But, I mean, that was a good prank. I remember that. I remember it. I can picture it in my mind like I'm watching a movie, sitting there watching that footage. But uh Was it the one where, like, the alien was... 
There was no aliens. They didn't show any aliens. Oh, they didn't? It was just the impression that of a, or they showed like a UFO thing and then they just showed what they believed to be was the, were the results of these aliens coming, which were, uh, people vanishing, uh, you know, things being destroyed, stuff like that. And it was just, uh, it was a good joke. When I have kids, I might, I might. We're thinking of two different movies. I'll have no. to, I'll have to show you the one I'm You'll have about. to ask dad which one it is because I'm, I'm sure he knows. He might even still, still have the tape. But no, we, we were talking about Donald Trump's kid and, and having to, uh, witness or see, you know, the mock killing and beheading of his, of his father and how much that terrifies him. Yeah, that's, that's absolutely uncalled for. And, you know, as far as her getting fired and, and losing endorsements, I'm surprised that she didn't gain endorsements by her actions with the with the hate hatred for Trump and his agenda that we see in this country. You know, we've seen uh that Milo Yiannopoulos made some comments uh that were taken out of context years ago and that had gotten him fired as the editor of Breitbart. There has been uh you know, we see the, the media um attacks against Sean Hannity and other people uh who so even Tom Brady Tom Brady was friends with Donald Trump before he became president. And in some statement he made after the election, Tom Brady said, yeah, I support Donald Trump. He's a friend of mine. And the left had taken him to task. They're calling for his endorsements to be pulled. And Brady's probably the best football player in the NFL right now, possibly you know the best quarterback ever. That's neither here nor there. But these people have been going after any and everybody who supports Trump or his agenda by calling them racist, by having their endorsements pulled, by, uh, you know, attacking their sponsors. Then we we have the other side, the people who are attacking Trump. You know, Stephen Colbert made that um, dirty joke about Donald Trump that caused a lot of uproar with people. And the FCC said that they were not going to uh, do anything to, to Stephen Colbert. It was very, it was a, a tasteless joke, but, you know, it is covered under the, under the freedom of speech. But the whole point of me saying all that was to say that it's good to finally see people being made to be held accountable when they do things that are way out of line, unprofessional, and downright brutal. I mean, that's a, a horrible thing to to show the president's head being decapitated and holding it like an ISIS soldier and expect no consequences. Has he made any comments about it? Do you know? I don't know. I don't know. That's a good question. We should check his Twitter feed because if he has, I'm sure they are up there on Twitter. Do you hear about... What is it? Kofefe? No. Jackie, we, uh, we're up against the break, folks. We'll be right back after these short messages. Don't go anywhere. Visit HagmanReport.com for the news and articles that matter most. Stay tuned. We will be right back. In a thrilling series of novels, T.C. Joseph takes us into the lives of three families who struggle to maintain normal lives in a world where conspiracy theory and Bible prophecy collide. 
T.C. Joseph's viewpoint of alternative history and understanding of prophetic events will change your view of the world and the events on our horizon. Kirkus Review states, Readers of End Times Fiction will be hard-pressed to find it done more intriguingly than this. Extremely readable and fast-paced. Blue Week Reviews boldly states, Fans of Tim LaHaye's Left Behind series and Tom Parada's The Leftovers will find this thought-provoking series absolutely riveting. Order your copies of T.C. Joseph's This Generation series from Amazon.com. Book 1, Precipice. Book 2, Pentecost. And Book 3, Penance. In these uncertain times, it makes sense to have a sustainable backup method to cook food and boil water. If your current plan includes using a fuel-burning stove or cooking over an open fire, then there's a much better way. The Miniman Rocket Stove is a biomass-burning cooking stove that only requires small quantities of sticks and twigs for fuel. The Miniman Stove is easy to use, smokeless, portable, powerful, and sustainable. For the finest in survival cooking stoves and fire starters made right here in the USA, go to MinutemanStove.com. That's MinutemanStove.com. You may never look at your city, town, or its people the same way ever again. Stained by Blood, a murder investigation based upon a true story by private investigator Douglas J. Hagman. Using the character Mark Stiles, Hagman takes you on a journey behind the scenes where the homicide becomes a secondary to an underworld of satanic ritual abuse, child abduction, and even mind-controlled experimentation. A world dismissed as conspiracy by those who want to keep its secrets hidden. Exposing the dangers, denials, and deceptions. For five years, a brutal killer remained on the loose, free to kill again. As Mark struggles to navigate the maze of bizarre twists and untangle a web of deeply hidden secrets kept by some of the most powerful and influential people in this community and beyond. Stained by Blood. Order your copy of this engaging novel today at HagmanandHagman.com and click on the link. Stained by Blood. gentlemen to this edition of the Hagman Report. We have an interesting half hour coming up, an interesting segment coming up. We're going to be joined by a few people from Portable Solar, portablesolarllc.com and we are going to get into topics about energy conservation and efficiency. Doug Hagman here for Omaha Steaks. Dads love steak. I love steak. Who doesn't love a great steak, especially on the grill? Folks, have we got a deal for you? Actually, Omaha Steaks has a deal for you. I got this last Father's Day. Oh, was this fabulous. Well, we've got the perfect Father's Day gift. Let me tell you about Omaha Steaks and how this Father's Day, for only forty nine ninety nine, you can get our limited time. Father's Day package. When you go to omahasteaks.com and enter HH in the search bar to apply the savings. Guys, guys, oh, can you smell it on the, on the barbecue? Oh, oh, oh. Omaha Steaks offers everything 
your dad or, or that guy in your life or, or hey even the woman in your life your family could want for grilling needs the best cuts of beef even bison from the golden plains seafood poultry pork veal lamb vegetables my goodness why omaha steaks well they've got the highest quality cuts and one-of-a-kind flavor they're certainly convenient all beef is usda inspected for quality and exceeds standards aged the beef is aged 21 days to unlock the full flavors of the various cuts it's hand trimmed vacuum sealed you're going to love getting this right now omaha steaks is giving a limited time offer giving a limited time offer to listeners of the hagman and the hagman report for father's day this is really an amazing deal you can get 80 percent that's right 80 percent off omaha steaks Father's Day package that includes, now listen to what this includes, two tender, mild filet mignons, but the taste is so fabulous. Can you taste it yet? I bet you can. Two bold, beefy top sirloins, four crispy chicken fried steaks. Those are really good. Everything is good, actually. Four juicy boneless pork chops, four all-beef Omaha steak burgers, and they are great. Four award-winning gourmet jumbo franks, 12 ounces, well, 12 ounces of all-beef meatballs. Oh, love those meatballs. A pound, that's right, a pound of steakhouse fries, four made-from-scratch caramel apple tartlets. You're going to want more guaranteed one Omaha steak seasoning packet to make it all just separate the flavors from the rest. Plus, get four additional burgers free. Again, get this limited time package for only forty nine ninety nine. That's under fifty dollars. When you go to omahasteaks.com, type HH in the search bar and add Father's Day package to your cart. It's just that simple. It's that easy. Don't wait. This offer ends soon. Go to omahasteaks.com, type in HH in the search bar. Grab your dad and fire up that grill. All right. Uh, we've got some, we have a few guests coming up this segment from portablesolarllc.com. We're going to get into, again, uh, energy efficiency, energy sources, water sources, uh, different ways and systems that we are able to harness the energy that is um, available all around us. There's ways to, uh, to become more efficient. I don't know how about you guys, but my electric and my gas bills sometimes, I mean, they get out of hand. And it's not like I got, uh, you know, it's not like I'm running uh, a bunch of stuff all the time. It's just from everyday use, from, uh, you know, lighting rooms to cooking to, to heating your water. And I could always find way or need, I need to find ways, and I would always use uh, the information uh, to cut down those costs as best as I can. In the winter, uh, a lot of times I'll, I'll put the plastic up on the windows to keep the heat from, from escaping. But we're going to get into some, some interesting stuff here on, um, on ways that maybe are even outside of the box uh, and other uh, ways to harness energy to make it more efficient and effective. Joining us, uh, are they both on, Eric? Uh, is Bonna on? Tom? I thought you gave me the thumbs up. Oh. Tom. Mr. Brennan, are you there? Well, we will. It seems that uh. there's some audio issues. We will get those fixed. What's up? Oh, you were on air. I didn't know you were jumping in. Am I? I don't know. 
I don't know. Uh, Tom Brennan from Portable Solar LLC is our guest. He is on with us just trying to figure out the audio issue. Tom, can you hear me? I just heard some crackling. Anyway, folks, go to PortableSolarLLC.com. They have the SolArc solar generators there. They're EMP-hardened. They're very quiet. You don't even know they're there. It pays for itself with the money that you save from your electricity. It's off the grid ready, and it can be scalable to your needs. When you go to the website, PortableSolarLLC.com, you can uh, check out all these different uh, appliances and, and items that we use on a daily basis and how the SolArc can power all of your essential uh, appliances and devices with the uh, solar-generated technology. Excuse me. And we are uh, trying to bring them on. I see the, the lights back on. Tom, are you there? All right, Eric, maybe um, maybe we can uh, just have them connect uh, with the hard line if we're having problems. Don't want to don't want to run out the, the clock on their time trying to, to get their audio situation fixed. But you just give me the, the cue when we know we got them for sure. I'm going to uh, get into some more news because there is uh, a lot more about the climate change agreement in Bilderberg I'd like to get into. Obviously, if you were listening to the first part of the show, Trump has removed the USA from the Paris Climate Accord. And uh, that was one of his campaign promises. It was something that he was expected to do. The, uh, to withdraw from the Paris Agreement, but the backlash is where the real story is. Um, we have backlash from President, former President Obama. We have backlash from the media. Even Hollywood is uh, ripping Trump over the Paris Agreement exit. Uh, this from Breitbart.com. Hollywood's biggest stars took the social media Wednesday to respond harshly to news that President Trump has de- decided to withdraw the U.S., from the Obama-era Paris Climate Agreement. President Trump seemed to affirm the reports, tweeting Wednesday that his announcement was imminent. Now, uh, there are actors uh, in Hollywood and uh, who are also climate change activists. One example is uh, activist Mark Ruffalo saying, Trump will have the death of the whole nation on his hands if he decides to pull out of the U.S. agreement. If this is true, he will have the whole he will have the death of the whole nation on his hands. People will be looking to the USA for retribution for what they lose. And if you go to uh, Breitbart.com, you can read more reactions from the the Hollywood left. Also, uh, what else was interesting? Some some other people who chimed in on this issue were the tech giants and social media giants, Facebook, Twitter. 25 U.S. companies, including Apple, Facebook, and Google, have uh, written a letter to Trump imploring him not to withdraw from the climate accord. Now, we know that he has already pulled out of this uh, deal or this this climate accord. So some of the the headlines they're talking from yesterday where he announced he was going to but had not done so yet. This from NBC News, President Trump's uh, threats to back out of the Paris Climate Accord have revealed what is perhaps an unlikely foe. Big business who may hate uncertainty more than regulation. Yeah, I doubt that. 25 U.S. companies have signed a letter that will appear Thursday in full-page ads in Washington, D.C. 
editions of the New York Times and the Wall Street Journal, uh, exhorting the president not to exit the Paris Agreement, as he teased he might do on a tweet on Wednesday. The companies include Apple, Blue Cross Blue Shield of Massachusetts, Facebook, Google, Levi's, and many others. Climate change presents both business risks and business opportunities, the letter reads, saying that the Paris Agreement's stable and practical framework creates jobs and reduces competitive imbalances by requiring coordinated global action from developed and developing countries alike. So we have uh, these big tech companies, Google, Facebook, Twitter, Apple, all urging the president not to back out. And now that he has backed out, we are seeing the backlash uh, from many on the left, many in Hollywood, and, you know, the regular enemies of Trump who continue to uh, tear him apart at every decision he makes. And uh, reading on into the letter, we have a very clear understanding that governments, successive governments, will continue to act consistently with certain policies set that we believe in. Uh, they're basically saying that he needs to, as a president, honor the deal that Obama wanted to enter into with this Paris Agreement. You know, one thing that's not talked about when we're dealing with, with these uh, international treaties, specifically when relating to climate change, they talk about the harm, harmful effects of carbon dioxide. Now, many of you know the science behind carbon dioxide. It's stuff you learn in elementary school. Uh, with plants, the photosynthesis, carbon dioxide is used to create oxygen. And for some reason, these people believe that the carbon output, the increases of carbon output, have affected uh, the climate so much that it has actually warmed the climate. But many people don't talk about, you know, natural occurring carbon dioxide like volcanoes. One major volcano eruption has more carbon uh, dioxide output, you know, than about 10 years of the world we live in today's output. So it makes a little sense that this is something that they can actually control or that they believe is, uh, yeah, no, it's something that they can control. If you look in, what, 10,000 years ago, 13,000 years ago, that was the last ice age. You had glaciers of ice covering, you know, half of the world pretty much. This is when there was no technology. There was no, you know, carbon emissions. Somehow all that ice melted and we are in, uh, you know, this period we are in now. Many people say when the dinosaurs were around, the carbon was really high. That led to thriving uh, plants, plant life, and animal life. But scientists, when it comes to global warming, have been caught, you know, destroying the numbers, uh, manipulating and and manufacturing fake evidence uh, that you know somehow this is leading to the destruction of our of our environment and our world. And then people like Standeo who point out that it's not just the Earth that is involved in in changing climate or temperatures it is the uh, all the planets in the solar system and it is directly due to the sun nothing that us humans can do um, whether it's carbon emissions or otherwise is is not really affecting our atmosphere or our, our planet at all it is the sun that controls the weather of the solar system but we can get into the the sciences of that later do we have tom we got tom do we have bonna all right uh, no she's not here just okay just me Tom, welcome to the Hagman Report. Uh, uh, thanks. I'm, I'm one of the engineering managers here. Okay. Well, why don't you do this? Why don't you give us a little introduction um, about the the uh, company and uh, some of what you guys do? 
Well, uh, our company is um, a veteran-owned small business, and what we do is we a bunch of engineers got together and we we build EMP uh, protected solar systems for people to install or for small companies and, and including government. Okay. Now, um, a lot of people are skeptical of solar products, not because that they've tried them and, and have not been successful in using them. You know, but we've heard so much, uh, especially during the Obama administration, where you had these companies like Solyndra getting, you know, hundreds of billions of dollars in money and, uh, you know, only to fail. And then you have, uh, you know, the talking about how uh, solar and other natural energy sources are too expensive uh, to run properly. How does the, uh, how does this work? How do you guys make this work efficiently? So the, the, there is, there, there should be some skepticism that people should have because there, there were some big advantages taken, taken by a few companies. Also, a lot of solar salespeople, they, 99% of the systems that get installed and sold to people are what we call grid tie systems and they don't have any batteries they don't work when the grid goes down so you your solar panels become useless as an off-grid power source when there is no grid um, and our, our business is trying to get people and and governments prepared against you know cyber attack and EMP and solar flares so um, and then there's some other types of, of businesses out there that, that do a lot of marketing uh, where they try and sell you this little, really small little solar panel system, and it only costs a couple thousand dollars or less, but it won't do the, the very basics, which, which we consider refrigeration. Uh, you know, you need, you need a source of water for preparedness. You need a source of, of, of food preservation. And, and that for a refrigerator requires about two solar panels or 500 watts of solar panels to, to run on an off-grid mode. So, so there's, we try and educate a lot. We have a lot of educational videos on our website, Portable Solar LLC. Uh, we also, we also do a lot of EMP testing. Uh, and, uh, one of our engineers used to do that in, for the government. So we, okay. we we just try and educate you on you know get a battery based system get a get a system that's going to work when the grid goes down get a system that reduces your energy bills and is powerful enough and expandable enough to run the critical things in your house. Yeah, and on the website I saw. Uh, I, first, I want to say it's a it's a great job. Whoever whoever did your website, I like it a lot. I think it. Uh, it looks it looks very good, and uh, scrolling down a little bit, it, it, you have a, a comment on here. Uh, Soul Soul Arc powers all your essential appliances, and you have air conditioners, fans, computers, you know, washer dryer, refrigerator, and whatnot. This uh, it, now the, the product that you sell uh, is it one size fits all? Is it? Uh, can you break down for us the uh, the different things that you do offer? Sure. We, we, we sell, we sell one basic system, uh, that is scalable from three panels to 15 solar panels, um, and, uh, anywhere from four batteries to 16 batteries. It's the same system. So that, that covers, uh, one size fits most, 
some people have more than one system, and and sometimes we're we don't scale up. We, we're not going to be able to run your whole house. People should understand that to run your whole home AC unit requires, if it's a three-ton unit, requires 36 panels and 36 batteries, the size of a of a boat size battery, and that's that's really not cost effective. We're mainly focused on the critical appliances and and being able to save them from a cyber attack and EMP. Okay. Um let's talk about the the EMP a little bit. So what you what you're saying is that your uh solar generated system is EMP proof. Can you explain I, that? I wouldn't say, how that works? I wouldn't say I wouldn't say EMP proof. It is what we call EMP hardened, so it's designed to withstand an EMP um while it's in use. And um uh EMP proof it, it, it's like it's like what when you say a watch is water resistant, it's, it's resistant to a certain level. And, uh, we've tested up to 50 kilovolts per meter and a little bit above that. So, um, when we say it's, e- it's, it's EMP hardened to a certain level, um, uh, certainly wouldn't survive a nuclear, uh, bomb right over it. So, but anyway, we, we provide EMP suppressors for the appliances. We, Provide EMP suppressors for the solar panels. Um, pe- you know, we, we try and educate you. And some people think that everything electronic in your household will, um, or in your person, everything electronic will die under, if an EMP goes off. And that's actually not true. A lot of small electronics, and we have test videos on our website and YouTube channels, where we show that a lot of small electronics actually live and survive an EMP um, uh, blast. Uh, but a lot of things that are plugged into the grid, which is most of the critical things that we use, uh, because they have long wires attached to them, they act like antennas, and they get damaged by uh, the E1 and the E2 and the E3 waves. So it destroys okay. the power supplies. Okay. And that's what we try um, and stop. All right. And, yeah, that's, uh, I mean, I apologize for, for framing it and saying it's EMP-proof, EMP-hardened. Though that's uh, still, uh, that would be a big help if we ever, you know, found ourselves in that situation. Uh, Tom, I want to talk a little bit about energy efficiency. And I was, uh, while we were bringing you on, I was explaining how I would love for my uh, electric bill, my gas bill, to be a lot lower than what it is every month. You know, I, anywhere from 180 to 220 a, a month I'm paying for electric. And it, it's not like I even use that much uh you know, we don't keep lights on around the house. The uh, your product. What if I were to? Uh, well, things are good. You know, we still have electricity. Everything's running as normal. If I were to buy your uh, your solar system and I were to hook it up, what appliances or what would be the best way to save money on the electric bill by using your product? Well, it, it'll it'll do that uh, automatically for you every day. It'll it'll reduce. First, it, it saves you money by uh, 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 about two-thirds of the people who purchase from us, they install it themselves. It was designed for a homeowner to install, um, and that, that reduces the, the cost of a solar battery-based solar system by anywhere from uh, a third to a half. Um, the second thing is you get a 30% federal tax credit it, um, and then uh, off the, the whole purchase price. And then the other thing is that it reduces how much energy you purchase from the electric company. 
So, so you would have things like your refrigerator, your, your freezers, um, your, your lights and, uh, fans and, and, uh, small air conditioners, those sort of things, computers, all plugged into it. And it would use the solar during the day and then use the grid when it's available at night to, um, uh, keep the batteries charged. So it works automatically. It's the one preparation item that you, that helps pay for itself over about 10 year period. Uh, Tom, how long do the solar panels last on, on average? Good, good question. Uh, they will last you a lifetime. Uh, today's, uh, the tier one panels today, uh, they will produce, uh, 80% of their rated power after 25 years of use. So they'll, they'll last you well over 50 years. Um, there's no maintenance. You don't have to clean them. Uh, and they withstand baseball size hail. Um, so, so there's a car windshield. There, yeah. So they'll, they'll survive when your roof doesn't and your, and your car gets all dinged up from hail. So, uh, they, they really are, you're effectively buying your electricity now while the dollar's worth a fair amount. Um, and, and, uh, saving your energy, energy bills in the future. Okay. Uh, folks, in case you joined us late, we're talking with Tom Brennan. Uh, the website is portablesolarllc.com. This is uh, one of our, our new sponsors and advertisers, and I have not personally used this product, but I'm very interested in it, and I think that uh, sometime here in the near future I'm going to have to purchase one because, as I was saying, my you know my electric bills can get out of hand, and I, I don't know. I, sometimes I wonder if, if I'm being siphoned by neighbors or whatnot because of the price, and any little bit of savings helps uh, this this. The uh, system will pay for itself over time by the money you save with the uh, on your on your bills. Tom, can you um, tell people uh, who might have questions? Uh, can you give out information, your maybe your phone number, or an email that people could, uh, if they do have questions or inquiries, can can contact you? Oh, sure. Actually, it's even easier than that. They can go to portablesolarllc.com and, uh, there's a, there's a pop-up window where they can, they can get a free consultation, uh, from us. We, we help them try and figure out how many panels and batteries they would need to run their appliances when they're off grid. Uh, but, but, and it's just a bonus that it helps pay for itself when it's, when the, when the grid is there. So, um, uh, and when we give away free presentations, free videos, you know, we're, the, the more educated you are, the, the better decision you will come to. And, uh, our, our, ours is a professionally designed system that we sell to professional solar installers as well. Uh, they like it because they can install it very quickly. Yeah, that's one of the, um, definitely one of the pros of this product is that, uh, as you said, you get a 30% federal tax credit when you purchase it, but it's also, uh, easy enough to understand where you can install yourself uh, and, and maintenance. Is it, how, how's the maintenance? You said you don't need to clean the, the panels. Is there any other uh, regular maintenance that, that is needed on this? No. The, the, the batteries last about 10 years and or more. Um, and then uh, the, the electronics uh, last uh, about that or, or more and, and also we, because we design it and build it, we can, we can repair it if some, some capacitor goes out or, or a fan over the long term. So, um, so really it's, uh, there's, it's, we, we designed it to be as super simple as an automatic, uh, to be, 
friendly for people that don't understand a lot about solar or electronics and electrical things. Yeah. Folks, again, Tom Brennan is our guest. PortableSolarLLC.com is the website. Uh, check it out. You can go there. You can educate yourself about battery-based solar solutions. They're, they have a, a number of visuals, uh, solar energy systems, which is right for you. That's on their website as well. And also, you can see the video of EMP facts versus myths and then put to the test. Uh, you can w- watch the solar EMP testing right on their website, PortableSolarLLC.com. Again, this is um, a company that is a, a sponsor of our show, and they can help you uh, with uh, you purchasing one of these. One of these systems will save you uh, a bunch of money on your on your electricity. You can run things off the grid in case there is you know power outages, um, and it is. Basically, aside from changing the batteries, maintenance-free. Tom, thank you so much for coming on. We're going to have to have have you guys come on again uh, for another segment to get into this a little bit more. Sure, no problem. Thanks for having me. You have a great night. Again, PortableSolarLLC.com is the website. We have a, a debut guest coming up next, uh, James Earls. His website, JamesEarls.com. You can uh, go there. And or go to Hagman Report and read his biography. We're going to get into uh, a number of, of constitutional, excuse me, and and uh, biblical um, information with Mr. Earls after this short break. Don't go anywhere. Greenovative. Go to HagmanReport.com. Click on the link to Greenovative. But what Greenovative is, it's a small company in Florida. They created something called the GMAG Power Cell. It produces electricity by adding salt water to this unit that recharges rechargeable batteries. It's the coolest thing you'll ever see in your life. It's really neat. Really a, a super device. All right, You need just two teaspoons of ordinary table salt, a little water, but a thing, you're charging your rechargeable batteries. Super GMAG chargeable is affordable. It's lightweight, weighs about 8 ounces. It's durable. It's EMP proof. And it's environmentally friendly. Yeah, that it is. It'll provide safe and convenient power for recharging uh, six AA batteries off the grid when other power sources aren't available anywhere, anytime, in any weather, day or night. Go to greenovative.com. That's greenovative.com. Folks, in these uncertain times, it just makes sense to have a sustainable backup method for accomplishing one of life's most important tasks, and that's preparing food. This is the way to go. There is nothing better than a Minuteman rocket stove from MinutemanStove.com. We all need a way to cook and a method to process water. I mean, think about it. Think about the many things that could happen to you. A Minuteman rocket stove can provide your family or group the perfect solution. It's small, lightweight, wood-burning, and every bit as powerful as a kitchen stove. It's smoke and fully self-contained for clean storage and transport. Because it's so efficient, it cuts down on your wood gathering and processing chores to a tenth what would be required if cooking the old-fashioned way over an open fire. So don't rely on gas or fuel stoves. Prepare your family. Prepare for yourself. Order a Minuteman rocket stove today. It's going to make bad times much better. Folks, MinutemanStove.com. MinutemanStove.com. Need I say more? You should have a Minuteman, the survival stove in an M.O.K. 
For investors, timberland has become the symbol of safety. Global tropical timber demand continues to surge as the world's population increases. The need for managed, sustainable timber production forests has never been greater. When stock markets crash, trees keep growing. Direct ownership of fully managed tropical timberland acreage is now available to accredited investors. Prime, valuable hardwood groves close to the beautiful Costa Rican border generate and maintain superior long-term wealth. Consider visiting our forest plantations. Qualified accredited investors should go to PreciousTimberProfits.com or dial 855-888-6288 for more information. Call 855-888-6288 or visit PreciousTimberProfits.com. This announcement does not constitute either an offer to sell securities or a solicitation of an offer to purchase. Offering made by prospectus only. 855-888-6288, PreciousTimberProfits.com, PreciousTimberProfits.com. And welcome back, ladies and gentlemen, to this edition of the Hagman Report. We have a first-time debut guest. James Earls is is with us now. He is an author, among other things, his latest book, The Washington Mafioso's UPS Gate. He also, go to his website, jamesearls.com. If you're watching on YouTube, you can see it there. Um, we're going to get into a number of things, the the uh, political atmosphere in this country, the corruption, the war on God, the Constitution, and the Bible. Uh, James, welcome to the show. Hey, I appreciate it, Mr. Hagman, and... Uh... It's an honor to be here. Before I get into anything, that I would like to say that I give all the glory to God and His Son, Jesus Christ, my Lord and Savior. I give them all the credit for this, and I'm just a tool in their hands. Well, amen to that. And um, it's always, you know, refreshing and, and, and great when we see, you know, people giving credit where credit's due uh, to the Lord. Uh, as you have read on your website, the, the war on God in our society today, we are seeing this war increase like never before, and so. it has reached uh, a fever pitch. Where, in some twisted irony, you know the the media, the, the leaders of society will protect um, Islamic terrorists, but they will label Christians as domestic enemies, and you know the Bible as hate speech. And it's um it's almost like everybody's been given over to some delusion who does not have uh you know their roots in the Lord and it is a uh, it's very concerning to watch. Absolutely. And um tell you what, the Christians in this country had better wake up and they can't depend on the churches themselves to do it. They're gonna have to stand up. If not, they're gonna face a terrible, terrible future if things don't change. Yeah, and uh, you know, the Bible spells it out that we will uh, all who believe in Christ Jesus shall suffer persecution we're told that in these times that there's going to be a, a falling away and you know the the, the apostasy where uh, people will be turned over to every lust of evil uh, imaginable and it seems that you know we are eyewitnesses to that to that carnage telling us that time is indeed short uh, Mr. Earls, you're the author of The Washington Mafioso's UPS Gate. Can you uh, get into a little bit about this, what this book's about, and uh, 
what the message is in in the book that that needs to be told? Well, basically, the book is about the crimes of the federal government. I tell you what, Mr. Hagman, it's easy for anybody to sit back and say, "Well, the government's corrupt, and this, that, and they've got their their teams that they cheer for, whether it's the Democrats or the Republicans." But what my book does is offers irrefutable evidence that the American government has been systematically overthrown and there exists a soft tyranny in this country and almost every aspect of the federal government Congress, executive branch, judicial branch has been overthrown and in its place is a what I call a Washington crime family. Um, James, are you a, a a big uh are you big into the into the Bible, into the history of of government from from Babylon till till here in the United States? I have learned some by some of your guests, uh Mr. Quell and things of that nature. I'm not a expert on it by any means, but yes, I do like to read on it the best I can when I have time. Okay, no, I, I just, uh, what, what you were saying there, it just made me think of, you know, you, you talked about how the government has been subverted and overthrown, um, you know, by these, these people who, who definitely are, are evil and are inspired by evil. And it just made me think, you know, as much as has changed in the last 4,000 years, the, the same sources of evil, the same sources of corruption and influence seem to be, uh, you know, running our government and our society, and it has not changed since you know from Babel till till here in America, and um, you know as we were talking about, it continues to get worse and worse. Um, back back to the book here, the the title, the uh, the UPS gate, that kind of threw me off. I I, I had to to read a few times um, in the description what this was about, but um, if we can, let's get into um, how this this war against the american people is uh is being carried out by by various criminals and and how they have turned uh their authority and power in washington into a source of personal enrichment um, and how that's destroying uh, not only this this country and the capitalist constitutional system we have but how it's destroying the the integrity of our government sure um what the book centers around, and the reason why I chose part of that title, UPS Gate, I based it on the the workings of uh, Watergate, and what UPS Gate is, it it covers the 58 billion dollar employment tax evasion crimes of federal contractors and other businesses, but primarily federal contractors, which I work for a federal contractor, the United Parcel Service. I've been with them for 29 years. And part of the whole UPS gate thing was trying to get the taxes that are owed to the government paid to the government for the Social Security Trust Fund. And... It started out actually as a labor dispute, and it just snowballed into where um, this past Thursday had um, 
Donald Trump and Steve Bannon and the Deputy Attorney General Rod Rosenstein served with a lawsuit, copy of a lawsuit. And we kind of wait and see how things turn out. Now, Trump's been preaching about draining the swamp. We're going to see if he's going to drain the swamp. Yeah, uh, let's uh, let's touch on that if if we can. I I see from you know, on your website you talk about the uh, how you detail in in the book in the UPS the Clinton crime family and their treason. There are numerous criminal enterprises the, from the money laundering uh, from the Clinton Foundation to the um, you know pay for access uh, and special privileges within the uh, her position at the Department of State. Well, let's talk. Let's look at the election. We saw the the craziness of the media. You know, every media outlet would say that Hillary Clinton was going to win, a hundred percent chance of her winning. All the polls showed her, you know, up double digits. You know, uh, in every state, all of it turned out to be a lie. Donald Trump gets elected, and we see some kind of shock and awe from the media. They're just dumbfounded, and now there is this uh, attack. The, not only from the, the, the Democratic base, but also from the Republican Party. We see these people are working against Trump. Have you ever seen, um, have you ever seen the, the political atmosphere that we have in this country in your lifetime? And do you believe Trump will be able to drain the swamp, so to say? Uh, and do you believe that he's, he's starting to do so now? Well, no, I have not seen the, the political atmosphere like it is now. Especially with the um, the way the media, all the media is going after Trump to undermine him with this Russian scandal thing, and yeah, I, I mean it's just I'm really at a loss for words for it. But one thing I can say is that with the election of Trump and the people that helped put him in office, I, I believe their eyes are starting to open to see exactly how corrupt this whole thing is and how the fake news mantra has come forth and is going out trying to just undermine his administration altogether. And as far as him draining the swamp with him pulling out of the the Paris Treaty on the, um, the climate agreement, I'm kind of torn because here he's appointed some of his children to the um, to be as um, in the top aides in his administration, along with um, some of his appointments, like um, Jeff Sessions to the U.S. Attorney's Office and Elaine Chow, Secretary of Transportation. I'm just. I just don't have much hope in it, to be honest with you. Yeah, uh, and, and you're not alone um, in that. Do you believe that he will be able to to finish his term, or do you think that these people who are subverting him uh, will be able to impeach him or or remove him from power in some way, uh, whether it's you know real or manufactured? I'd be surprised if he finishes his term without being impeached, because People want to talk about the establishment Republicans and the Democrats. Actually, they're one and the same. They aren't really any different. They're all in it to make as much money as they can for themselves. And the American people are just 
just a, actually just a, a hindrance and a stepping stone. I'm actually just a formality to um, get to where they want to be. Yeah, in in the in the the write up to of your book, the Washington Mafioso's UPS Gate, you talk about how the uh, political under the the federal branch, the the FBI, the IRS, the Department of Justice, how they have been uh, converted or used as political weapons against the American people. Can you expand on that a little bit? Oh, absolutely. Well, for starters, um, all of this actually began back in 1994. I have an associate that actually started before I did, and it's just the deeper we got into it, the bigger it's grown, and we're finally at a point now to where we're ready to go really worldwide and try to get the story out. But to kind of give you an idea, what I have here are the certified mail receipts and receipts to where we contacted the FBI, the RS, the Department of Labor, the White House, Congress, all the committees and everything. And although they want to prosecute and put normal citizens in prison for the very same crimes that these federal contractors are doing, the federal contractors are getting away with it because they're donating to their political campaigns Whereas the normal citizens like you and I, they're being incarcerated, incarcerated for committing the same crimes. And whenever I went to the U.S. Attorney's Office, this is a good example, I had all the evidence. I went to their website, went down to the law library, researched every case that I could find on the topic of the employment tax evasion that the federal contractor that I work for is getting away with. And I found case after case after case where common citizens are being incarcerated and losing everything they got for committing the very same crime. And with the recent revelations of the lowest learner and the um, Koskinen IRS, the commissioner of IRS, and their refusal to investigate and hold everybody accountable to the same standards, it's easy for anyone to recognize that, yes, these federal law enforcement agencies, whether it be the FBI or the ORS, have been converted over into criminal organizations that are unleashed against the American people. And if you are in power or you're in political office, you get a free pass. But if you're like you and I, and you commit these very same crimes, you're going to prison. No, you're exactly right. You know, one of the when you say that, one of the first things that comes to mind is in Congress, how the the members of of both the House and the Senate are allowed to uh, commit insider trading, and how they enrich themselves. You know, it was a uh, there were some demonstrations outside of Maxine, one of Maxine Waters' home homes recently. And in the article, it pointed out that her home was worth $4.5 million and that she had multiple million-dollar homes in California. And then it lists her salary, and her salary today is, is about $170,000 a year. And she's been in Congress for 25 years, I believe. That wouldn't even – that if she put every penny of her salary into the one house, the $4.5 million house, um, basically the bottom line is where do these people get the money? And we know that they've been allowed to – uh, insider trade, but that's just, you know, the, the tip of the iceberg. 
these people get get money from lobbyists and kickbacks from bills that they passed. The uh, one of the the good examples of this is when we had the uh, stock market and housing bubble collapse in 2008, 2009, and they signed that huge 700. What was it the TARP 700 billion dollar yeah. um, bailout? You know, a lot of the people, a lot of the members who passed that legislation got kickbacks of that money for giving that money to, you know, these companies. And this is the corrupted, incestuous relationship that has uh, continued to be the the vehicle which allows our Constitution and the, uh, the the system of American values to continue to be subverted, not only by the enemies, but the, the people who are, who are, who were, who were elected to represent and protect these interests. But you said you took the evidence to uh, a number of people of authority, even your congressmen, and, and their response was what? Well, the first congressman for the Alabama 5th District was Parker Griffith, and um, this was several years ago. Met with him, and he said he was going to look into it. And this was at the same time that the um, the um, the House Labor Committee was holding hearings on wage theft, which I was in contact with one of their their representatives on the investigative committee, and I provided them with the evidence of what was going on, and never heard anything. But the last one was with Congressman Mo Brooks. To which, um, all of this is on the website. I have the audio of the actual meeting that took place along with the transcript. I was thrown out of his office after I called in to question his ethics concerning this thing, concerning the UPS gate crime. And basically what Congressman Mo Brooks said, and again, they can listen to this actual conversation 100% has not been altered or anything on my website. Congressman Mo Brooks is a former district attorney for the, uh, the county of Madison, the Madison County in Alabama. He stated that the role of congressional oversight is nothing but window dressing. And I asked him a number of times during this whole conversation what they were going to do, why couldn't they do anything, and he said there was nothing they could do, that actually um, holding hearings was nothing but the shame the uh, the people are being investigated, and there was nothing that can be done. But the funny thing about Mo Brooks is that after I brought all of this to his attention, three months later, he and Jeff Sessions turns around and votes for legislation to protect the federal contractors who are engaged in this crime. So Mo Brooks, who's running now for the uh, vacated seat of Jeff Sessions against uh, Luther Strange, is somehow all of a sudden he is Mr. Law and Order and he's all about the Constitution and the working people and holding everybody accountable, which is one of the biggest lies I've ever heard. This man is nothing but a common criminal and should be thrown out of Congress and indicted and prosecuted. Uh, I believe that's the case with many of the politicians that we have uh, in in Washington and in our own uh, state-elected governments. The... um, you know, you, you said it best when you talk about, <coughs> excuse me, bringing the evidence, collecting the evidence, bringing it, uh, to the appropriate authorities. 
on, and this is this is a, a case which is on a massive scale. It's a fifty-eight billion dollar federal contact uh, contractor tax evasion and wage theft crime. And just as you said, you know, people uh, are prosecuted and incarcerated on a daily basis for tax evasions um, that don't even reach six figures sometimes. So for them to turn around and, and say that, uh, you know, they're not going to to do anything on this is, is in criminal itself. And one thing that, uh, if you can expand on this a little bit, how do these crimes affect the solvency of, of Social Security? I'd like to ask that question. Well, a lot of people may not realize, I'm sure you do, that the national debt is approaching $20 trillion. Right now, the Social Security liability, according to the trustees of the Social Security Trust Fund, the combined 75-year unfunded obligation is $13.4 trillion. Now, we're looking at, they're, they're actually projecting that Social Security will be insolvent by 2033, and this is by the trustees' report. Now, we're looking at 51 million retirees currently exist. We have 10.5 million people who are disabled who depend on this Social Security benefit. And then you throw into the mix, we've got 74.4 million baby boomers who are getting ready to retire or within the next 10 years. Now, $58 billion, when you compare it to $13.4 trillion in unfunded liabilities, for Social Security is really a drop in the bucket. But we're talking about these people who's gone around for decades, especially the Democrats, preaching how they're going to fight for Social Security, and we all remember they're going to throw Granny from the cliff and all this and all that. The Democrats have lied through their teeth to the American people, to the big labor, to all American workers. Social Security is nothing but a scam and a political tool that they use to garner votes. The Democrats have no intention on ever doing anything to protect Social Security. All it is is something to get them elected. No, very good point. And on with the with the, the presidential election last year and the release of DNC emails and Podesta emails from the, the Clinton campaign, that's one thing that nobody ever talks about is, you know, there was a lot of stuff in the emails, um, you know, the backroom dealings, the selling access, the and then just regular communications. But I did not read one email or see one conversation in those emails that talked about how to help the American people, how to, you know, uh, decrease the unemployment rate, how to, you know, uh, uh, help in any meaningful way any uh, member uh, or citizens of society in this country. Now, out of all those thousands, tens of thousands of emails, there was not one email that said that talked about constructive ways to to uh, work towards solutions. And you're exactly right about you know the, the the political establishments, specifically the Democratic Party, anymore because we see how they do exactly what you were describing. They 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 put themselves up on a pedestal as the protectors of you know the the minority groups, whether it's uh, you know people of color or People who with disabilities, people on welfare, but they do when they get into office, they use that power to enrich themselves, never um, bringing any meaningful help to the, the, the people that they they promised they were going to help. And this is a cycle that, for some reason, the people can't get past and and understand. Um, 
let's talk about the the uh what the Democratic Party has been doing lately. I don't know if you saw the latest from Hillary Clinton, but she mentioned that the her relationship with the DNC when she was running for president that she actually had to funnel money into the DNC because they were insolvent. Um, is there any any thoughts on that? I don't. I don't. I don't believe it. They. I just. I just. I just really don't believe it. I mean. No, I, I agree with you. Uh, definitely not insolvent. But well, what came to my mind uh, was, you know, we saw with the Clinton Foundation how much money she she siphoned from the public. Yeah, over two billion dollars from the the Haiti relief fund that exactly. is unaccounted for, um, and maybe she was using the DNC as a way to launder some of that money uh, that you know that she has has that she has stored stored away. Um, all right, let's switch gears here. We only got a few minutes until until the break. Uh, two minutes until the break. Uh, your website, jamesearls.com. People can can go there. You sell your books there. They're also available on Amazon. What other, uh, what else is on your website that people should take a look at? Well, actually, um, there's a couple of links up at the top. One is, um, Trey Gowdy's fall. Talks about how Trey Gowdy has been contacted about this information, how he's held all the RS hearings and I follow the money trail, the UPS money trail to him and some of the other funders of his campaign and how he has has really fooled the American people. He's not who he claims he is. That's really one of the big ones. And I talk about the Social Security, how it's nothing but a scam. And, of course, the Mo Brooks, about the audio, the meeting, transcript. I mean, there's everything that is in my book is on the website. There's every piece of evidence is on the website. Okay. And again, folks, the website is jamesearls.com, uh, jamesearls, E-A-R-L-S dot com. And he's the author of a few books. And, uh, the one we're talking, we were just talking about is The Washington Mafioso's UPS Gate. The other book is The Big Brown Lie. And on the website there, you have the files, the Washington Mafioso Intel files, as well as, uh, a blog that uh, James has put together, and then there's a, a few other sections on the website. Uh, the one that I want to get into in the next segment is the War on God, and then uh, Friends of Liberty, and then there's um, other content that that's up there, and it's a it's a good resource. It's a today was my first time checking out the website, and there's some some really good uh, content and media here. When we come back, we're going to continue to talk uh, with Mr. Uh, James Earls, and we are going to get into a number of other areas and then coming up in the next hour another james james wesley rawls will be our guest uh again so don't go anywhere you're listening to this edition of the hagman report on this thursday the first day of june i uh had to look twice when i saw the date today i couldn't believe it was already june so summer is here um in these summer months at least up here in the northeast go by so much faster than the winter months do. So we're in the thick of it now. We'll be right back after these short messages. Don't go anywhere.
Visit HagmanReport.com for the news and articles that matter most. Stay tuned. We will be right back. Shall be great tribulation, such as was not since the beginning of the world to this time. No, nor ever shall be. Folks, I'm going to direct your attention to masterpreps.com, masterpreps.com. Wow. Uh, masterpreps.com, uh, the sponsor of our show, masterpreps.com. That's masterpreps.com. Take a visit there. High-quality items, made-in-America items. I mean, anything, everything you possibly want from uh, cooking uh, utensils, uh, cooking frying pans. To, I mean, it is, it'll blow you away. Absolutely, Eric said. It's insane. I mean, wow. Look at the products. Folks, visit masterpreps.com. Again, welcome to the Hagman and Hagman Report family. Masterpreps.com. I mean, wow, it's insane. Masterpreps.com. Are you ready for what comes next? Hi, I'm Grace Gonzalez from Train Close in the Woods. We are an American family-owned company founded and built on skills and knowledge gained from responding to aging major disasters in the U.S. and around the world. We found that most people don't have enough food and water to survive, let alone any medicinals to save their life. We're offering 25% off our must-have American Heritage Remedies Kit. It contains 12 homeopathic remedies, a booklet that goes over everything in your kit, and our brand new book, Major Disasters Lessons Learned. Just enter coupon code HAGMAN. In life or a disaster, you must be able to take care of yourself. You may not be a medical doctor, and your grandmother and your great-grandmother probably weren't either. But they still knew how to minister to their family's health issues. And so can you. Check out our American Heritage Army's kit at www.changelessandwoods.com. Your life may depend on it. Hello, everyone. This is Joe Charles, the guy whose voice is heard announcing for the Hagman and Hagman Report right here on YouTube and across the Global Star Radio Network. There have been many people wondering whose music is being played during those breaks. Well, you guessed it. And we're very pleased to announce that all that music and 11 brand new songs from the CD New Jerusalem is set for release on April 10th for download on iTunes. That means you can help support my ministry and be blessed by this awesome, inspiring recording. I have been fortunate to work with some phenomenal musicians from around the world that helped us put this recording together in the studio. Simply go to joecharlesmusic.com and click on the iTunes link. Or, if you'd rather have a CD, we'll send one right out to you. Just leave me your email and we'll get right back to you. And thanks to Doug and Joe Hagman for making this all possible. God bless. Guest James Earls on his website is jamesearls.com. We're going to get back to him in just a second. Just want to give you another update on the the big news today is Trump pulling out of the Paris uh, climate deal. We already saw New York Mayor Bill de Blasio says that he's going to issue an executive order enforcing that his city remain part of this deal, which isn't even a deal. It's it's a treaty that hasn't even been ratified by the Senate, nor will it ever be. So I don't know how these people believe they're going to hold their cities to some international deal that. Uh, subverts the Constitution. But now, the mayor of Pittsburgh fired back at Donald Trump today when he finalized his withdrawal from the climate agreement in Pittsburgh, saying that he was uh, voted in to 
he was elected to represent the citizens of Pittsburgh, not Paris. The mayor of Paris, or of Paris, of Pittsburgh, today comes out and says it's now up to the cities to lead, and the Pittsburgh mayor says my city will also follow, follow the Paris Agreement. More insanity. But let's get back to our guest, James Earls. Um, ch- check out his latest book, The Washington Mafiosos UPS Gate. Uh, during the break, we were talking, Mr. Earls, and uh, t- if you can't, tell the audience about how you contacted uh, the presidential campaigns in 2016 with this information and what happened from there. Well, i tell you what. It's like you said, I contacted uh, several members of the campaign and asked what got me thinking to do this was when Hillary Clinton gave a I think a Labor Day speech in Hampton, Illinois, to where this is on YouTube, to where if she was elected, she was going to jail some employers for wage theft. So I got thinking, well, since she's went public with that and made that commitment, well, maybe I need to go ahead and contact her um, her campaign and go ahead and get this story out there. And and I want you to bear in mind one thing too is. I'm not for the Republicans. I'm not for the Democrats. I kind of take the position of Gerald Salente. I'm a political atheist. I don't subscribe to any political party whatsoever. The American people think there's two political parties, but there's actually just one, and I call it the uh, party of domestic enemy incorporated, which encompasses all the corporations and the lobbyists and everything that's actually that's involved in running the government. But getting back to... Um, contacting Hillary Clinton. I went ahead and contacted Hillary, Chelsea, uh, Jim Magalis, uh, Cheryl Mills, John Podesta, as well as on Trump's side, I contacted uh, Mr. Trump, his son Eric, Jared Kushner, uh, Ivanka, and uh, a couple of other people, his, um, his campaign attorney and some other high-ranking people, and I provided them both equally with the same amount of material, the same everything, which, once again, this information is available on the website. Okay, I never heard anything from it, nothing, and which I really wasn't surprised, although I was really, actually I was surprised that I didn't hear anything from Hillary Clinton because this is something that she was supposedly for big labor and the tanksters were supporting her and this, that, and the other, and never heard anything from anybody. So the Trump side goes back to his rhetoric on the campaign trail that he was going to drain the swamp. Well, I provided him with what he needed, the evidence, the hardcore evidence, even went as far as to offer my book free to anybody throughout the country for five days up to the, um, up to the time of the election to which I went ahead and did anyway. I put this in the hands of everybody that I could to help try to get this man elected. And unfortunately, I've been somewhat disappointed for uh, what I've seen out of him so far in terms of draining the swamp. You know, a lot of people um, speculate as to whether Trump is uh, fulfilling his promises to drain the swamp. Some people believe he's he's still you know trying to gain his footing and understanding of how the system works and how to best go about uh, dismantling it. Other believes that he has increased you know what people call the swamp by some of his appointments that he has made 
But let's let's uh, flip it around. If Hillary Clinton won the election, where do you think we'd be at today? Do you think uh, do you think we'd still see? Um, I mean, we see this. Uh, the, you know, the political correctness is a big thing we talk about on the show. The social justice warriors. And, you know, just the, the news today, we were talking about the, the climate deal. Obviously, if Clinton was elected, she would have continued with TPP and, and the climate accord. Um, Hillary Clinton is president. If, if she was president right now, do you think that she would be, she would be the last president of this country? Yes. Uh, I don't want to sound like a tinfoil hat wearing conspiracy theorist or anything like that. And I don't advocate this, although the, uh, founders give us this option, and I guess as a last resort, I really do believe if Hillary Clinton was elected that we would eventually, within the next two or three years, wind up in a uh, armed revolution. I really do. Yeah, and uh, even the to see how Trump, uh, every decision he makes, every statement he gives, how he is shredded by the media and what I mean, I guess that can be expected a little bit, but the people who have been brainwashed to believe that he is some kind of you know tyrant, a racist, it looks like uh the brainwashing has been so effective that we might see that armed civil war, not so much a revolution but a civil war anyway. It looks like that's what uh, the direction they are are pushing this in um James, I want to I want to touch on something that you, you dedicate some space to on your website, which uh, this show is a is a is a Christian show. We uh, do news and current events from a biblical Christian perspective, and you have a section on your website, the War on God, and uh, under there you have Psalms fourteen one, which states, "The fool hath said in his heart, there is no God; they are corrupt; they have done abominable works; there is none that doeth good." We see how the uh, today Christians are are targeted from the public schools to uh, just about everywhere in the public arena, Hollywood, TV, the film industry, um, and the Christianity that's left alone is is uh, I want to say a false Christianity where you have these mega preachers who don't talk about sin, who try to spin what the Bible says. Uh, in order to give a feel-good message, and instead of actually preaching the gospel, uh, the future of Christianity in America. Where do you see this going? Well, I want to tell you um, a lot of the problems is within the church itself. In the last, I was debating whether or not to put this in the um, in the last part of my book. The book is actually two and a quarter books in one. And I was trying to do everything I could to help Donald Trump get elected. And like I said earlier, I offered this book for free um, via the Amazon Kindle program that they have. And I put in there some very graphic images in respect to abortion and how the radical homosexual movement has overtaken certain elements within the government and things of that nature. But the real problem lies in with is within the church. I don't understand how a Christian, a God fearing, Bible believing Christian can vote for the Democratic Party 
when it stands for everything that it does, whether it's the radical homosexual, the abortion, and same-sex marriage and things like that. I don't understand that. And if the Christians in this country do not have a revival and come back to believing God and honoring God and following what God wants and demand that our leaders do the same thing, I see maybe God pulling his hand away from America. And if things don't change, we're, we're heading toward that right now at a very rapid pace. At least that's my belief. Yeah, and, and I agree with you. Uh, do you see a correlation between Christianity and the Constitution and how uh, we continue to see Christianity shrinking smaller and smaller as, as a religion here in the U.S. and it's being demonized in the public sphere. Do you see a, a correlation between the withdrawal from Christianity and the freedoms afforded to us in the Constitution? Well, if anything, it will be the opposite. But, two, my opinion, that goes back to these uh, these activists, federal judges, who rather than follow the law, follow the Constitution, they interject their own their own beliefs into how they're going to rule. For example, this um, the contraceptive or whatever the, the big controversy is with Obamacare and how the the Christian organizations are trying to be exempt and all that, but yet the government wants to wage war against those organizations. I don't. I just don't understand how that's even. That's even possible. But then again, it goes back to the the Christians in this country sitting back and letting God be slowly pushed out, pushed out, pushed out, while they're only concerned for reaping their own benefits. I tell you what, and this has really caused a problem between me and some other people. A prime example of this is that the elderly people who depend on Social Security tend to vote for the Democrats because they are concerned about their benefits being reduced or, or something along that line. The money has shouldn't have nothing to do with anything. They should be standing with God instead of standing with the government and those who are against God all because they want to ensure that their monthly checks coming in. Then again, we shouldn't be surprised because Christ was sold out for 13 pieces of silver by Judas. Only in this case, Christ is being sold out for the monthly Social Security check. You know, that's a, that's a good point. It, it seems like, and I mean, there's obviously so much corruption and, and problems in our government, and it does not run uh, anywhere near the level of efficiency that even a, a failing business would. But that's one area, you know, when we talk about the, the dependency aspect of, of our, of our population, and I believe, uh, under George Bush, he doubled, doubled the number of people who were receiving, uh, welfare. Under Obama, he doubled, again, the number of people who are on welfare. And we have people who, who basically believe that welfare, uh, is the, the answer to all their problems. People who are able to work and, and contribute to society um, that would rather, you know, collect um, benefits on the on the from from taxpayers, basically draining you know the resources away from people who do um, need these kind of services. And it's almost this mentality that the the political uh, establishment has has cultivated 
and basically saying, and, and, it, and it basically ensures their vote, specifically for the Democratic Party, since they are the ones that continue to champion, um, you know, being the voice for these people. This brings me to another point. I'd like to get your opinion on this. I know we haven't talked about it much on this show, but we see this, uh, the, the, what the Democrats are doing with changing history. They have, they've banned the Confederate flag. They have, uh, they are now starting to tear down monuments. They've even dug people, uh, a Confederate generals' graves up and buried them in other states. Uh, can you, can you touch on this a little bit? Because from what I understand, the Democratic Party, you know, they, they call Trump a racist. They call the Republicans right wing, um, white supremacist. But the Democratic Party was the party of the KKK. The exactly. Democratic Party was the party of slavery. Can you address and talk about a little bit the, what they're doing with, with this trying to, to revise history? And do you believe that it will work? Well, we had all this going on down in Louisiana where they removed the monuments and I was reading today where they want to change the, another name of a school that was named um, after James Madison calling him a slave owner. And the strange thing about that is that up north during the Civil War area, pre-Civil War area, era, there were quite a few black, wealthy black people that owned slaves themselves. So as far as the rewriting of the history goes, you got to look at the the big picture of it all. Here you have pretty much every day you can look on, on, on the Internet and see where some college professor is doing this and some left-wing radical nut job that's a teacher at some elementary schools doing this and they're they're slowly indoctrinating these kids that's coming up to turn their back on the history and if something isn't done it may very well wipe out everything all in the name of being politically correct yeah the uh the political correctness um it is insane to me, uh, the stuff that they come up with anymore that they label political correctness. Well, we, we have about eight minutes left in this interview, James. Uh, I want to make sure we put some time aside to talk about solutions. What are some things people can do, uh, one, to, it seems like you have a solid case here with the proof, with, with evidence. Uh, outlining, you know, the players involved, the crimes that were committed. Is there anything that, that our audience people can do to help you to continue to push, uh, that case forward? And then what are some other things we can do to try to turn this around, the, the political and religious atmosphere in this country? Well, the main thing that people can do is to hit their knees and pray to God and repent and ask for Him put his hand back on his country and to guide us in the way that he wants us to be. That's the biggest and that's really the most important thing. Other things are just personal opinions of mine. One, I think that to address the political corruption, I think that corporations should be stripped of their personhood. 
Yeah. I think there should be a limit to the amount of money that lobbyists can give to uh, all the candidates. I think there should be a limit of maybe no more than $500 given to a candidate by anybody. Let's do away with PACs. Let's do away with everything. Let's just put it on an equal footing to where if I wanted to give $500 to an individual, I don't have to worry about my $500 being outdone by a corporation that's going to give a million dollars in a PAC. The other thing is uh, a lot of people are relying or this movement of the uh, a convention of states to try to amend the Constitution. I mean, that's a great idea, and, yes, I support it. That's a, that's a last resort before the final resort. And But my problem with that is, actually, is if they don't follow the Constitution now, what's going to say they're going to follow the Constitution once we amend it? Yes, I understand the term limits. I think term limits is very important. It should be a constitutional amendment. One term for a senator, maybe two terms at the most for a a uh, congressperson. And but really, the biggest thing too is uh, we got to get corporate money out of politics because these federal contractors, whether or big business in general, and I'm not anti big business. I'm not anti corporation by any means. I mean they they employ millions of people, and but they should not be allowed to subvert the American people or the government and be held to a different standard than everybody else. But the biggest thing I'm going to repeat is everybody, you don't know God, you need to know who God is, who Jesus Christ is, and if you're a Christian, repent, hit your knees, and turn your back on these political parties and turn your heart toward God. Absolutely, and, and amen to that. And you're exactly right, and, and it's written here on your website. There are two standards of laws and prosecution, uh, and prosecutions, you know, one for all of us and another set and standard for the elected officials. And, you know, that has to be, that has to be abolished. And, and again, on your site and what you just said, you talk about the importance of our Christian faith. And not only, uh, just in believing in that faith, but, but, uh, following the commandments and, and what Jesus taught us and, and walking out that faith. And I believe that first we need a spiritual restoration. Um, there are many people who I did, I think the last time we checked, 70% of Americans considered themselves to be Christian. And when we look at what's going on in this country today, that just seems like it can't be true. And there are people who are on the fence or who have, uh, you know, not been active in their faith for a while. And one thing that anybody, as, as the Bible says, with a mustard seed of faith needs to do is to put some, some dedication into that faith to, to, to do exactly what the, the Bible spells out, you know, increasing in our, our prayer life and our biblical reading and our understanding and, and move in the direction that the Lord wants us to move in. And, uh, James, let me ask you this while we're talking about this. A lot of people, um, wonder why there has not been any charges, uh, against Hillary Clinton and other members in, in, you know, who are involved in these crimes, which, you know, are, some of them are, are easily provable. Um, do you believe that we will see Justice for these people on, no. on this life, in this life? No? No, sir. No, sir. I do not. And 
Tom, think about it. If you indict and criminally prosecute one of them, let's take John Coskin, for example. So you, uh, one of the statutes that I name in, in, in my complaint is, um, Title 18, Section 4, the misprision of a felony. If you know that a felony is occurring, you, you have the duty and responsibility to report it. Well, this man is in a position to where he can get investigate, a criminal investigation going and everything else, but, but he's, for whatever reason, he is, he, he hasn't done so. Now, Koskinen, and just about everyone in the um, RS has been notified in a law enforcement capacity about this crime, but nothing's been done. And going back to, there's one thing I do want to touch on very quickly, going back to, you know, people say, well, there's two sets of laws. Well, what proof do you have? This is very, very brief, and this is off of the RS website, the criminal enforcement website. Got two cases very quickly. One involves a Kansas City, a Kansas City, Missouri man by the name of Roger Geisler, who was uh, prosecuted and put in prison for 24 months for underreporting his his restaurant's gross receipts. He failed to pay over and report employment taxes for four years. Got another one, and this is the last one in California. Suk He Park was. Uh, put in prison for under-reporting over 79000 in wages. What is the difference in them prosecuting and incarcerating these people and the federal contractors who are under-reporting wages, such as the federal contractor that I work for, United Parcel Service, in an effort to reduce not only the labor costs, but most importantly, the employment tax that they have to pay to the government? The government, the RS. Everybody from Congress all the way up to the President of the United States has been provided with this information. They've been, I provided them records. This is a, a return receipt to Obama. I've got three of these. I sent one to Biden. Biden's responded. Biden was going to send everything that I sent him to the Department of Justice and the FBI. Never heard nothing from them. What do I do? I follow Freedom of Information Act requests. And lo and behold, I get it back, and they ain't heard nothing from from Biden or anybody. No surprise. No surprise there, right? No. And a lot of people, well, I just don't believe all of this. I have Loretta Lynch responded. She was provided with everything she needed, all the evidence. I spent thousands of dollars sending this stuff to these people. There's a response from Biden, Vice President Biden. And I got two more very quickly. I've got Labor's darling, Bernie Sanders, was contacted. He sent it back saying that under congressional courtesy, he can't get involved. Congressional courtesy has nothing to do with Title 18, Section 4. The man was provided with evidence that the United States government was being robbed of employment tax revenue and crime for being committed not only by the federal contractor but by the people in the Senate and Congress and the executive branch to which he has the duty and responsibility to provide oversight. I've contacted numerous oversight committees and other committees within the House and the Senate. Nothing has been done. I've contacted over 50 senators which 29 are still sitting in every one of them, Ted Cruz, all of them. 
should be indicted, prosecuted, thrown out of office, and held to the same standard as these other people are. They have failed the American people, and they continue to fail the American people, and they're only in it to protect their donors and their own pocketbooks. Well, the one that I like, one of the ones I like the best is Diane Feinstein. She responded, Congressional Cursey can't get involved. I contacted Chuck Grassley and the people that investigate on his staff. You go to his website. He talks about how he's the RS whistleblower friend and how he's this champion of government oversight and how he wants people like me. It's on his website. He wants the whistleblowers to come and report this stuff. I reported it to him three times as well as his staff two times. Not a single word. They want to claim congressional cursing. Well, he gets involved with the rape case up in Maryland where two criminal immigrants raped this girl in school. Mm -hmm. He gets involved with it, political grandstand, but yet in his own home state, a judge released a man who was found guilty of raping a, I believe, a six-month-old little girl, and nothing was said at all. The whole thing. James, uh, that music means that we are up against the break. I want to thank you for joining us tonight. JamesEarls.com is the website. I hope we can have you back. Um, fascinating stuff. And uh, I urge everybody out there in the listening audience to, to check out his website, JamesEarls.com, review the information and the findings, and forward those along to your congressmen, to your senators, local, state, federal. Help push this investigation forward. James has done all the legwork. He's put everything together. And, uh, you know, the ball's in our court. James, thank you so much for joining us. You have a great evening. Uh, you too. I appreciate it, Mr. Hagman. And I love y'all's show. Thank you very much. Well, God bless you. You have a great night. We'll be right back yes. after these short messages. Don't go anywhere. Just what kind of thriller predicts the future? In three days in the belly of the beast, Daniel Holdings wrote about the God Particle before CERN actually discovered the God Particle. In As the Darkness Falls, Daniel wrote about an Islamist terrorist confederacy that rose up out of Syria and declared a caliphate three years before ISIS was ever heard of. In his newest novel, Between the Veil, Daniel talks about a space between dimensions where supernatural beings can walk. He says that these novels are a warning from the creator to his creation. Will war come to America? Will the world's economies collapse? Are we looking at increased earthquakes and volcanic activity? Will the United States fall into civil war? You can find all of Daniel's work at his website, DanielHoldings.com. That's DanielHoldings.com. All of these things and more are talked about in Daniel's books. To find out what's coming next, go to DanielHoldings.com. Worldwide demand is making coconuts one of the highest-yielding cash crops available today. Coca-Cola, Pepsi, and many high-net-worth individuals have invested billions of dollars into coconuts for strong growth and solid long-term income. Yields could be as high as 18% or more per year. Capital appreciation and exceptional income for up to 60 long years would be an absolutely brilliant investment to pass on to future generations. Diversify wisely with direct ownership of fully managed coconuts on prime farmland close to the beautiful Costa Rican border. 
For more information, qualified accredited investors should go to ProfitsInCoconuts.com or phone 855-888-6288. That's 855-888-6288. This announcement does not constitute an offer to sell securities or a solicitation of an offer to purchase. Offer made by prospectus only. 855-888-6288 or visit ProfitsInCoconuts.com. ProfitsInCoconuts.com. You may never look at your city, town, or its people the same way ever again. Stained by Blood, a murder investigation based upon a true story by private investigator Douglas J. Hagman. Using the character Mark Stiles, Hagman takes you on a journey behind the scenes where the homicide becomes a secondary to an underworld of satanic ritual abuse, child abduction, and even mind-controlled experimentation. For five years, a brutal killer remained on the loose, free to kill again. As Mark struggles to navigate the maze of bizarre twists and untangle a web of deeply hidden secrets kept by some of the most powerful and influential people in this community and beyond. Stained by Blood. Order your copy of this engaging novel today at HagmanandHagman.com and click on the link. Stained by Blood at HagmanandHagman.com and click on the link. Stained by Blood. Ladies and gentlemen, to this edition of the Hagman Report. Today is the first day of June, Thursday. Excuse me. And we have uh, just got done uh, interviewing uh, James Earls, and he uh, he came on to talk about an, uh, corruption, crime that has been documented, proven, and reported to authorities, congressional authorities, and uh, law enforcement authorities from the FBI to the DOJ to no avail. And we're going to continue to look into that and try to push that forward because, of, you know, that just speaks to the level of corruption in this country. We see, you know, the, how the IRS was weaponized against the Tea Party. We see how, you know, the Department of Justice and the FBI conduct their selective enforcement. But when they get something real presented to them, uh, you know, there's a $58 billion fraud they won't even lift a finger or act. And you saw uh, Mr. Earls, he documented um, how he sent that to Loretta Lynch, to, to Biden, to all these people, to the Trump and Clinton campaigns. And crickets is the response. And that says a lot. Joining us this hour is James Wesley Rawls. Survivalblog.com is the website. Survivalblog.com. And he is with us now. Mr. Rawls, welcome back to the Hagman Report. Hey, Mr. Rawls, are you there? Well, we'll get this straightened out. Seems that we're having, uh, uh, tonight's been a rough night for, for initial connection issues. <laughs> anyway, that's like the third. There we go. Mr. Rawls, okay. how's it going? Hello. Thanks for having me on. Well, thanks, thanks for coming on. Um, we didn't get a chance to, to talk before the show, so I'm going to turn it over to you and let, where do you want to start tonight? Oh, I don't know. Uh, there's a lot to cover. Uh, I would like to at least briefly mention uh, the announcement on the U.S. withdrawing from the Paris uh, Climate Accord. Yeah, I, think, I uh, that's the, something that we jumped into right away. 
I think that was a pretty uh, substantial confirmation that Trump is still trying to stay on track. But uh, today in the news also, uh, there was an announcement that Trump had backpedaled on his promise to move the U.S. Embassy for Israel from Tel Aviv to Jerusalem. Apparently they are now delaying that move, reportedly. And uh, that's a, a great concern to me. I think uh, that really signals to the Islamic world that uh, Trump considers everything negotiable. And I think that's a dangerous precedent. All right. Well, yeah, let's talk about the uh, the embassy first, because I did not hear the update. Although, mm-hmm. uh, when when the for, when the story first came out that was talking about Trump wanting to move the the embassy from Tel Aviv to Jerusalem, there was a lot of support from his supporters and uh, some of the you know guests of our show who who um, study the Bible and prophecy uh, believe that that is a, a prophetic indicator. But when the right. original story came out. Trump said that he wanted to do this uh, almost immediately, but for some reason, and I can't out to find the old story. For some reason, it said that even with uh, the actions Trump was taking, it would still take a number of years before they were able to do that. Now, uh, as you just informed me about you know uh, somehow he he might have walked that back a little bit, and I'll right. have to look into it. But from the initial story. I do remember that even when he announced that he wanted to do that, that it would have taken a significant amount of time for some reason to make right. that transition. As of as of today's announcement, it sounds like they're delaying even any groundbreaking or even selecting a site. Um, I was in Jerusalem a couple of years ago. I think the the most likely site would probably be up on the big hill where they have the Knesset. There's a lot of open ground up there. And for the U.S. Embassy to be secure, it really would need a lot of standoff distance to protect it from car bombs. So I don't think they're going to put the embassy... You know, like the the, the, uh, the French embassy uh, is... Uh, or it's actually... I think they downgraded it. It's not a full embassy anymore. It's a consulate, I guess. Uh, is right in downtown Jerusalem... Uh, just up above uh, the old city, but it's on a, a a street that's not blocked off at all. And I think if even if the United States were able to secure a substantial piece of land, which is at a premium in Jerusalem, um, it, they're probably not going to pick uh, in a place anywhere near the old city. Uh, more likely, they'd be out toward uh, uh, the hill where they have the Knesset. But uh, regardless of where they cite it, I think that uh, this backpedaling that we heard about today is quite serious. It's, I think it's a matter that everyone needs to commit to prayer. And prophetically, uh, I'm not sure exactly how it all plays, but uh, we need to uh, make it very clear to Abbas and everyone uh, representing the Palestinians just where we stand. Uh, it was also reported that um, when Donald Trump met with a boss, he had some very sharp words for him, uh, ac- accusing a boss of, ha- of having absolutely lied to him. And uh, apparently that's the first time in any uh, diplomatic meetings where Trump has ever... Uh, 
had his ire raised uh, to the, at least to the point of, of shouting at someone. Um, every, every, all the other contacts he's had so far have reportedly been very cordial. So uh, I don't think uh, tr- Trump is uh, particularly friendly to the Palestinians, but to see this decision on the embassy move is quite still quite troubling. I just uh, I just did a search here, and the CNN and the, the Atlantic and a number of other places are reporting what you said. Trump did not move the U.S. embassy to Jerusalem, but he still might. The article states, and it goes on to say, like his predecessors, the president signed a waiver delaying the transfer of the American embassy from Tel Aviv. But there are signs he still could go through with the transfer. Right. Uh, uh, according to one report, they're going to revisit that once every six months. Yes. And uh, I think uh, that's encouraging, at least, that to know that they didn't like put it off for five years or something. So we'll just have to watch and see. And, uh, we, again, we need to commit this to prayer. Oh, absolutely. And uh, they issued, the White House issued a statement when they signed this uh, this six-month uh, uh, agreement saying, while well, President Trump signed the waiver under the Jerusalem Embassy Act and delaying moving the U.S. Embassy in Israel from Tel Aviv to Jerusalem, no one should consider this step to be in any way a retreat from the President's strong support for Israel and for the United States-Israel alliance. President Trump made the decision to maximize the chances of successfully negotiating a deal between Israel and the Palestinians, fulfilling his solemn obligation to defend America's national security interests. But, as he has repeatedly stated his intention to move the embassy, the question is not that is not if that move happens, but only when. So he didn't, as you, as you said, he did not just, uh, you know, sign this waiver uh, with with the intent of not having to worry about it or continuing to do so. It looks like, from what they're saying, uh, he wants to dig deeper into the the Israeli-Palestinian conflict before uh, and, and try to find some sort of, of solution or, or agreement there before he will uh, make that decision. And hopefully that is the case. I agree. I yeah. Okay. I, 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 I think that... Um, we just need to watch it very carefully and see how it all plays uh, into uh, the, the the prophecy of the Bible, and we need to see uh, you know how things play out in terms of Middle Eastern politics in the near future. It, it definitely yeah, bears the volatility, you know, with with the Obama administration's uh, you know the destruction of the Middle East and overthrowing regimes there, creating you know, uh, the instability and emboldening you know, the Al-Qaeda's to, to form the Islamic State. Um, it, the safety of uh, that embassy move seems to have been at the top of the list of the reasons why they want to tread carefully when they do this. Mm-hmm. So hopefully, you know, that he is, this is not something that's going to be put on the back burner um, and as you said, in six months, it has to be uh, addressed again. So we will we will see. At least he didn't just sign it without issuing a statement. Back to the the Paris yeah, oh, climate uh, deal. Fourth thing on on uh, Israel, I, I would recommend that your readers read 
Zechariah 12, and in the reference to the cup of trembling that's there. Um, yeah. Well, anyway, take the time to look through that scripture. Oh, absolutely. Um, and I'll give me a few minutes here, and I'll, I'll pull that, that one up. Um, the, the Paris climate deal was what I opened with in the news today because it seemed like it was a pretty big deal, and, and more so not even the fact that uh, he pulled out of the, the climate accord, which was one of his campaign promises. The real news to me is the backlash he's receiving mm-hmm. from from just about everybody. I mean, I was reading uh, in the first segment, you know, Hollywood and, and other um, companies and industries were basically saying, because Trump did this, everybody's going to die. You know, he's going to be responsible for millions of deaths, and, and the, the world is, is uh, you know, it, there's no stopping climate change now, It's and it's Trump's fault. And then now on Drudge, I see they have some of those headlines up on the top left. Hollywood ballistic. Uh, Obama slams Trump as legacy uh, dismantled. Weather Channel apocalyptic. The Weather Channel, uh, I just checked this out a little bit ago. If you go to the front page of the Weather Channel, it is a wallpaper of how Trump is evil and why he just basically ruined the climate for everyone. Um, even the Vatican. It's, it's pretty absurd. A statement. Yeah, I'm not sure if you heard Trump's speech. It was a half-hour-long speech. But one of the things he pointed out was that both China and India are exempt from reducing their carbon emissions uh, for the next 12 years. They don't have to cut back at all, whereas we were expected to cut back radically and pitch in billions of dollars, perhaps even hundreds of billions of dollars. Uh, it, it was it was definitely a double standard there. The United States was not going to be treated fairly whatsoever. And Trump did leave the door open. He said, well, if we can make a, a fair agreement, I might be interested. But I, I, I don't think we're ever going to get back involved uh, with the Paris Accord. If we, if we did, it would be incredibly foolish. Yeah, and you're right. It is. It was uh, unfair. Is is a <laughs> an understatement for what was you know they wanted it basically uh, first and foremost the the climate change excuse is uh, just that an excuse for the redistribution of wealth through yep. higher taxes and, and robbery and you know not only would we have to uh, cut uh, you know twenty eight I think it was twenty eight percent of the carbon emissions which would affect a number of jobs and industries uh, oh, that sure. we saw Obama already decimate but it would raise taxes on people and send money to countries because of our because of the amount of our carbon emissions and this is just you know a backhanded united nations agenda 21 uh globalist type treaty now i got a question i don't know if you can clarify this um mm-hmm. it, it now the paris deal is a treaty if it was going to be enacted into law it would have to be ratified by the senate we've seen mayor de blasio of new york and now the mayor of pittsburgh come out in both states separately, that they're going to issue executive orders in order to uh, remain part of the climate and, and follow the, the the climate deal. Well, the is, last is that time even I, legal? The last time I checked, the uh, the cities and states cannot enter into foreign treaties. That's that's spelled out very clearly in both the Constitution and the U.S. Code. That's reserved strictly to the federal government because they didn't want to have a patchwork of treaties existing. And 
so they can't, they can posture and, and bluff and blunder around all they'd like, but they cannot legally do that, and it wouldn't be binding if they did. They're just posturing at this point. So, it, and, and do you believe that the reactions are, uh, it's hard to tell anymore if these people actually are upset about the, the, uh, Withdrawal from the climate deal, or if they are just using every decision Trump makes to grandstand and score political points. I think that's exactly right. Yeah, it's, I mean, it doesn't matter. Even I think my dad said off air, uh, you know, Trump could give every person in this, every citizen in America a million dollars, and the media would still rake him over the coals as to why it was, you know, racist and and you know whatever else they come up with. Um, it's crazy. Yes. It is crazy. The atmosphere. If you look at the reporting that's going on uh, with the, the uh, withdrawal from the Climate Accord, it's really interesting. If you listen to NPR, uh, they don't mention the fact that they did carry his, his comments in full, which was commendable. Uh, I guess they got in the habit of doing that when, when Obama was in office, and they, they can't very well back off from doing that. But in their later reporting, when they recapped his speech, they didn't mention what he had said about China and India being exempt from the from the real sticking points of the treaty, and that they they could still grossly pollute uh, for the next twelve years. That they didn't have to even start to reduce their carbon emissions until then. They didn't report that aspect at all. In fact. They said when, in their reporting, they were talking about how China and Russia and India were still, you know, fully backing the accord and, uh, you know, in, in contrast to Trump. Well, of course they are. It, it's a sweetheart deal for them. But, of course, they didn't mention why they're still backing the treaty. And, and they also made a big deal of the fact that, uh, what, 270 other nations were supporting it, and, and only uh, two other nations weren't signatories. The thing they didn't mention there is that 250 of those nations are going to be beneficiaries of billions and billions of dollars of American aid as part of, uh, of the treaty if, if we had gone through with it. So, of course, they signed up for it. It was free money for them. Yeah. And, uh, well, one other really interesting aspect that most Americans have never heard of is that um, shortly after the first round of Paris was, uh, the, the pre-Paris uh, treaty was drafted, Al Gore set up a, a trading company that handles nothing but carbon credits. So, indirectly, uh, the real beneficiary of, of all this is not a bunch of foreign, not just a bunch of foreign countries, but also the lobbyists and uh, and the the uh, the uh, trading companies like uh, Al Gore's that are going to be the direct beneficiaries of this treaty. You know, no wonder that you know the John Kerry's and the Al Gore's of the world are all for this thing. They're going to make a fortune. Yeah, yeah. You know, the Al the Al Gore, the Inconvenient Truth, or whatever his his global warming movie. Uh, I don't know. That seemed to um, you get the ball rolling in the public eye uh, about climate change and global warming, and then I, I believe that you know a number of of political strategists and, and um, leaders in business found that this was a way, this was a new way, a new avenue to 
to uh, transfer wealth and to you know tax tax regular individual peoples, and that's why we see this huge push not only from politicians and, and government, but from uh, private industries. I don't know how they're getting you know the money out of this, or you know maybe they'll be exempt from from having to be a part of it. But it's a big racket when you have the government agencies and the scientists who work for these government agencies caught manufacturing and manipulating data to make global warming and climate change look more um, uh, devastating than it ever was, you know, there's a problem there. And then they continue to push the narrative that with 99% of scientists agree, but the, 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 they are agreeing on, on false data uh, right. to begin <laughs> with. So, I mean, it, it's just, it's crazy. And uh, there's an interesting article on uh, Graben, Grabian News, the 11 dumbest reactions to Trump quitting the Paris Climate Accord. You have... Um, People from uh, like CNN, uh, the Fareed Zakara, saying that uh, this will be the day that the United States resigned as the leader of the free world. You have um, MSNBC's Donnie Deutsch saying that uh, what the, what Trump did, he is a psychopath uh, for doing it. You have um, the ACLU issued a statement saying uh, centered around civil rights, offering the bizarre claim that the president leaving the Paris Agreement is a massive step back for racial justice and oh, assault oh. on communities of color across the U.S. And there's about 13 more on this list that folks, you want to go read it. It's pretty funny. Um, but this yeah, is the atmosphere of today. Yeah. yeah it, no, go ahead. And incredible. Uh, I guess we shouldn't spend um, this whole hour talking about just this, but... Um, I think your listeners need to to watch watch the way that uh, the media is spinning this and recognize the fact that we any of the mainstream media now is incredibly biased. Even Fox News cannot be trusted. Uh, the only accurate news that people are going to get at this point is going to be through the alternative media and, to a lesser extent, some foreign news outlets. That's it, because our own mass media has been thoroughly co-opted. It's part of the problem, and in fact, it's really the fifth column that's that's planning Trump's downfall in cooperation with the shadow government. Yeah. No, you know, yeah, absolutely right. And uh, you know what? What is alarming? What's crazy to me is is uh, I've been starting to study more of, of Germany pre-World War II uh, from the Weimar Republic and their, their inflation and hyperinflation to um, up until before the war when the Nazis took power and the the different um, the different areas where society would latch on to the Nazi ideology before you know the Nazis were uh, mass murderers I guess you could say mm-hmm. and, and the, the political atmosphere that we that we see here in this country and I am and I've been beginning to wonder if Trump is the last we'll say the last Republican president say we get a a Democratic president next election I'm starting to wonder if history is not repeating itself with the with the, the 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 insanity and hostility in the political environment to where if another per if a person gets in power who is you know part of this political correct social justice uh, tolerance movement 
that we are going to start to see political assassinations and rounding up of citizens in all opposition. It, it very and, well could happen. Uh, if you look at the history of the 20th century, you know, history doesn't always repeat, but it often rhymes. And I think there's the prospect that if we do have another um, Democratic administration, and if it's a really rabid Democrat who takes office, we could we could see someone go full Hugo Chavez and just start to to absolutely try to silence all dissent. Um, it would make the lowest learner IRS scandal look minor by comparison, where they would have out and out persecution of anyone in the alternative media. Uh, any political opposition, they could clamp down very quickly if they wanted to, and if if they had the collusion of the mass media, most people wouldn't even realize what was going on. They could also it. spontaneously muzzle uh, commenters on the internet by shutting down bloggers and video bloggers and podcasts. Uh, they could just uh, very overtly do the same thing they did with the uh, the, the folks who were um, streaming BitTorrents of stolen movies. They they could declare us persona non grata, block our websites by name, and make it impossible for people to, at least inside the United States, uh, bring up our websites. I've actually moved my main server offshore, and yeah. I recommend that most other bloggers and video bloggers and podcasters do the same thing and that they also do what I do. If, if you go to survivalblog.com uh, one of the things we do quite prominently there is publish our dotted quad address our, which is our, our IP address on our website. If you go to the uh, let's see, where do we have it now? I think we have it in the About Us section. Um uh, we publish our dotted quad address so that uh, if our domain name gets blocked, people might still be able to uh, reach us uh, through our dotted quad address. Yeah, and and a lot of people, including myself, don't understand how how that works. But uh, we had we moved our website uh, offshore too after we had an issue with GoDaddy. Who basically pulled the rug out from under us because of, of content disagreement? And uh, you're right. I mean, you're taking the, the the necessary steps, the precautionary steps, because even with Trump in in office, this this deep state, this government is you know rabid in uh, destroying their opposition. And there will come a time where the internet is uh, you know completely censored and, and washed of all traces of anybody like you or, or uh, like us. And we're, we're coming up against the break. Uh, our guest is James Wesley Rawls. When we come back, I want to get into some of the stuff you got on, on your site, survivalblog.com. Folks, bookmark survivalblog.com. It's a treasure trove of information. And Mr. Rawls, um, he's a, he's a, an author dealing in, in survivalist books. He's a former U.S. intelligence officer and technical writer, now of being a full-time novelist and a part-time blogger. Um, he's got a, his, his finger on the pulse of what's going on and not only is he a, a former US intelligence officer and an author he's a Christian a constitutionalist and uh, he has all kinds of great information on his site dealing with with sur- survival self-sufficiency um, you know whether it's it's uh, you know 
camping to having to survive um, in some type of disaster, he's got information that you're going to need and want there that would help you in any of these situations. When we come back, we're going to dig into to some of uh, what's been going on uh, in the survival and the prepper communities and um, some pointers and things that we can do to remain prepared and aware of what's going on. We'll be right back with James Wesley Rawls right after this. Visit HagmanReport.com for the news and articles that matter most. Stay tuned. We will be right back. There shall be great tribulation, such as was not since the beginning of the world to this time. No, nor ever shall be. Folks, I'm going to direct your attention to masterpreps.com, masterpreps.com. Wow. Uh, masterpreps.com, uh, the sponsor of our show, masterpreps.com. That's masterpreps.com. Take a visit there. High-quality items, made-in-America items. I mean, anything, everything you possibly want from uh, cooking uh, utensils, uh, cooking frying pans. To, I mean, it is, it'll blow you away. Absolutely, Eric's. Uh, it's insane. I mean, wow. Look at the products. Folks, visit masterpreps.com. Again, welcome to the Hagman and Hagman Report family, masterpreps.com. I mean, wow, it's insane. Masterpreps.com. Are you ready for what comes next? Hi, I'm Grace Gonzalez from Caring Post in the Woods. We are an American family-owned company founded and built on skills and knowledge gained from responding to eight major disasters in the U.S. and around the world. We found that most people don't have enough food and water to survive, let alone any medicinals to save their life. We're offering 25% off our must-have American Heritage Armies kit. It contains 12 homeopathic armies, a booklet that goes over everything in your kit, and our brand new book, Major Disasters Lessons Learned. Just enter coupon code HAGMAN. In life or a disaster, you must be able to take care of yourself. You may not be a medical doctor, and your grandmother and your great-grandmother probably weren't either, but they still knew how to minister to their family's health issues, and so can you. Check out our American Heritage Journeys kit at www.changelessandwoods.com. Your life may depend on it. This is Joe Charles, the guy whose voice is heard announcing for the Hagman and Hagman Report right here on YouTube and across the Global Star Radio Network. There have been many people wondering whose music is being played during those breaks. Well, you guessed it. And we're very pleased to announce that all that music and 11 brand new songs from the CD New Jerusalem is set for release on April 10th for download on iTunes. You can help support my ministry and be blessed by this awesome, inspiring recording. I have been fortunate to work with some phenomenal musicians from around the world that helped us put this recording together in the studio. Simply go to joecharlesmusic.com and click on the iTunes link. Or, if you'd rather have a CD, we'll send one right out to you. Just leave me your email and we'll get right back to you. And thanks to Doug and Joe Hagman for making this all possible. God bless. of the Hagman Report. Again, today is Thursday, June 1st. First day of June. May just went by so fast. 
We're talking with James Wesley Rawls this hour. His website is survivalblog.com. That's survivalblog.com. He is a uh, an author, a full-time novelist, and a part-time blogger, as described on his website, a Christian constitutionalist. And his website is a treasure trove of information that could save your life one day. It could help you uh, with a number of things, from self-sufficiency to disaster preparedness um, to, you know, testing your your preps and ability to survive, whether it is, you know, some kind of minor inconvenience to, you know, full-scale meltdown of society. Um, Mr. Rawls, this, uh, in, in the time we have left, um, let's go over your website a little bit. Let's talk about some of the things that people can do... Um, in the in the prepper and the survival communities since the election of Trump, a lot of people who were uh, prepping and, and in the um, survival communities felt like they could take a, a, a step back, uh, you know, take lay off the gas and prepping that it, it almost won't be needed because their guy got into office, and <laughs> we continue to say here, that, you know, that's a very dangerous mindset to have. Um, I wish that were I wish that were so, but if anything, we should probably be redoubling our efforts at this point. We live in a very dangerous world. It grows more dangerous with every passing day. It is prudent. It is absolutely biblical that families prepare because the governments have shown time and time again that they're either unwilling or incapable of providing any kind of aid in the event of a natural disaster or a man-made disaster. So it's up to us as the heads of families to prepare for our families and to stock up extra for Christian charity. I think that's just as important. So, folks, if you're you're serious about this, please just sit down and pray about this. And if you feel convicted, go ahead and prepare. And if you have the opportunity, please move to a safer region if you can. You know, uh, you mentioned that uh, preparing is biblical. And... I, I agree 100%. There are some people of the mindset, though, that will uh, will take a verse, um, take no thought in 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 uh, for tomorrow and what you need for tomorrow. Uh, I th- I'm paraphrasing now what, what the verse says, but some people will use that and say we're we, we're not supposed to prepare because the Lord will uh, provide for us, and I do believe that the Lord will provide for us. Uh, at the same time, you know, we saw there there are countless uh, biblical examples of preparedness. One of the the, the more well known ones is is Joseph when he was mm-hmm. left to die by his brothers. He became uh, one of the most powerful men in Egypt, and they had uh, seven years of famine. But for seven years before that, he was preparing by by creating you know food vaults of food storage so that they did not go without during the the years of famine. Um, can you speak to the to the biblical aspect of prepping? Sure. Well, uh, a lot of people quote Matthew six, um, specifically Matthew Matthew six uh, twenty five through thirty four, but and they say they say, oh well, shouldn't we be like the lilies of, of the field and not have to worry? God will provide for us. But those verses are not about preparedness; they're about worry. They're about worrying about the future, not preparing for the future. Interesting. We uh, we need to 
actively work on our preparedness for our family. The, the Bible never teaches that we should laze about and, and just not provide for our families. Our daily bread is, earning that, that daily bread is the godly way to live. And, uh, it, you know, there's, if you look all through scripture, especially in the Old Testament, like from the book of Proverbs, uh, from Proverbs 12, Proverbs 12:11 uh, states, He that tilleth his land shall be satisfied with bread, but he that followeth vain persons is void of understanding. And in Proverbs 14, we're taught in 14:23, In all labor there is profit, but the talk of the lips tendeth only to penury. That penury, of course, means poverty. And in Proverbs 21, 25, the Bible teaches the desire of the slothful killeth him, for his hands refuse to labor. And one more, in Proverbs 21, 5, the Bible teaches us the thoughts of the diligent tend only to plenteousness, but of everyone that is hasty only to want. So those who, who aren't hardworking and who don't prepare are going to starve, according to the Bible. Uh, yeah. You mentioned uh, the story of Joseph from uh, Genesis 41. You know, uh, that's very clear about the seven years of plenty and then the seven years of want. And that's a really good example of why we need to have food storage for our families. And you mentioned something um, right when we came back from the break, talking about preparing, and when you mentioned not only you know preparing for yourself, but making sure that you have um, enough to be able to to help others around you. And, right. Uh, one thing that you know I've always always believed in is that when time I mean when times are bad, you're going to have uh, just about everybody out there doing whatever they can to survive. And if you have the the resources to prepare now, not only for yourself, but for as many people as possible, uh, you can actually start a small community. If if people are not worried about, uh, on a daily or hourly basis, worried about uh, a shelter and where they're going to get their next meal, people will be able to come together and work together to mm-hmm. uh, reestablish normalcy and rebuild the society. If it's just everybody out for themselves until you know there's the last man standing um you know that's just the, the pretty much the biggest nightmare scenario you can imagine but part of prepping is not only doing it for for yourself but doing it for your, for those your family and um your you know your extended family of those around you right even for your listeners who are not christians or jews they need to see the common sense in charity because by providing for your neighbors who don't plan ahead, you're buying yourself valuable allies. You're, you're, those, are, mm-hmm. those are folks that you can depend on when everything falls apart. But if, if, if you're, you're right, if every man is just looking out for himself and acting self, totally selfishly, uh, I'm not sure how, people, how well people are going to sleep at night because they might have their, their very next-door neighbors at their throats. So exactly. I think it's it's biblical to to prepare and to store extra for charity. It follows the Old Testament law of tzedakah, and you you need to you know provide as as best you can for your family. But if you have excess, uh, you should be prepared to dispense that as copious Christian charity. 
to the very best of your ability. Uh, but as I mentioned several times in my blogs and, and even in my novel series, you also need to be prepared to dispense that at arm's length very privately, in fact, preferably without even the recipient knowing the source of that food. And the best way to do that is through your church elders. You swear them to secrecy. They dispense that extra food. Your name never gets mentioned. And because of that, that, that actually fulfills two valuable biblical points. One is being humble so that you won't get puffed up and prideful about having given charitably. You, you don't want your name to be mentioned so it won't be a source of pride. And secondarily, it's important because you don't want your name mentioned because you don't want to get your property targeted by looters. If, if word gets out that you have lots of extra food around, then uh, people just looking to play and take your food might end up on your doorstep. <clears throat> or worse yet, you know, attacking your house in the dead of the night. Yeah. I mean, <laughs> that just imagine a scenario not only where you're, uh, you know, every day having to basically live in a life or death scenario, surviving to live, but also, you know, not even being able, being able to have a moment's rest uh, physically or mentally because of the threats of uh, violence and, and people who would kill you, uh, right. you know, just to be able to feed their families for one more meal. And that's, uh, it seems like it's a far cry from reality. But realistically, all it would take is one event. A bank holiday, uh, you know, the an economic collapse, an EMP type event, even a, a widespread natural disaster. Our society, our civilized society, could could fall into anarchy in a moment's notice, and life will change forever if and when that happens. So, why not be prepared, uh, both mentally, physically, and especially spiritually? Right. That is. Um, you know that's what that that's a biblical as you you explained that is a biblical uh, concept and it is um to me it is basic common sense uh because we see how volatile this world is and we know we're not headed down the right path but we don't know how much longer uh, it will remain um as calm as it is uh on your website survivalblog.com um and folks uh, James is an author he has a number of of books Eric, when you get a chance, if you could put the the graphic back up there with the uh, all the books on on there, I think the Patriots was the one last one I read. I want to stress to your listeners that I'm not doing radio interviews to promote my books. Uh, everything on my website at survivalblog.com is available free of charge, and those archives are very deep. They run back 12 years. There's over 30,000 articles and letters and column items that have been archived. It's all fully searchable. There's a search box in the upper right-hand corner, uh, up at the top of the right-hand uh, bar above the advertising on my website. Please take full advantage of that, folks. You can search on any subject you want that's related to preparedness, and you really should print out the most important articles that you find. And then... Uh, save a, a bunch more you can of course with a, a modern 8 gigabyte memory stick you can uh, you can hold a tremendous amount of information there you can in fact on 8 gigabytes you could hold the entire archives of survival blog and still have about 3 gigabytes to spare so take wow. full advantage of that it's all again free of charge there is no super secret members only area like at some websites 
please dig in, folks. Study up. Print out the most important articles. Build yourself reference binders of them. And in that same set of binders, you should have all your recipes. You should have all the manuals for all the the uh, appliances and equipment and tools and vehicles that you own so you can uh, hopefully t- uh, maintain things yourself. Plan ahead, folks. Yeah. Knowledge is power. And one thing I love about your site is the resources section. Um, I have, I've been looking at this for, um, I don't know, the last time you came on, I, I was going through this, and there is, a, under the resources tab, there is a collection of, uh, of books, of um, just general resources, and I, I like how you categorize them, and it's everything from, uh, you know, the Bible to first aid information, uh, encyclopedias, cookbooks, how to cook with home storage, uh, cooking with home storage, uh, to, I mean, every, any and everything in between, uh, you know, the first aid, the physicians, uh, emergency food and survival handbook, gardening when it counts. There's so many, many resources there. And as, and as James said, what you want to do is you want to print out anything that you might need to use in these situations. Uh, good examples, first aid. A lot of people, um, you know, we get broken bones or this or that, we have to go to the, the hospital. Well, what are you going to do when there's no hospitals around? People should have uh, binders or, or stacks of information on, on first aid. That's I, I believe if society goes down, aside from, you know, being able to provide, uh, you know, food and, and shelter, first aid is going to be a very valuable um, knowledge to have, and it could save lives. And, and you know... All that crucial information is there, like how to, how to do water purification. I have three different methods there, for example. And, uh, you know, how, how to build a fuel transfer pump. So if there's a, a grid down power failure and you go to buy gas from your local pa- uh, gas station and they don't have power, how you can have your own pump that you can plug into the cigarette lighter jack on your car and pump gasoline from an underground tank. There's a lot of very useful information at that website, at, again, at survivalblog.com. That in, a lot of that information is not readily available elsewhere, at least not in an organized fashion. But in the 12 years that I've been running the blog, we've built some very deep, very rich archives, and people should take full advantage of it. Again, it's all free of charge. You know, you can take the shortcut and, and buy one of our archive uh, DVDs, for example, but if you want to take the time, you can just go through the archives and uh, save individual articles that you find worthwhile and either print them out or put them on a memory stick. And uh, that's material that should be right in your in your uh, your bug out bag duffels that are ready to go uh, if you have to evacuate your family because that's going to be crucial information. No, you're absolutely right. And and it is it is crucial information now. And just imagine uh, how helpful it would be if you find yourself in a situation and you needed that information, had the ability to have it, and just didn't do it. Um, that would not be any ideal situation you want to be in. James, we got about eleven minutes left of this interview. Uh, anywhere you want to go that we haven't touched on yet? Oh boy! <laughs> I, well, first and foremost, I recommend that people get right with God. And they can't expect God's covenant blessings unless they're in covenant with God. And that means uh, 
repenting of your sins and accepting Christ as your Savior first, and then beseeching God for his covenantal blessings. So that's first and foremost. And then beyond that, you need to pray and ask for God's guidance on what steps you should take and how you should prioritize your prepping. And then hopefully by the Holy Spirit, you'll know what you should do and how you should order your finances to make that happen. And then get busy. You need to think in terms of beans, bullets, and band-aids and make prioritized lists. At my website, uh, one of the things that I have is a, uh, a section just for, uh, for newbies. And it's, it's called our Getting Started section. You can find that uh, at, out of the top bar at the website. Read through that first, and then one of the links that's included there is an Excel spreadsheet that I call my list of lists, and it, it, dis- it has a list of lists that you need to generate for yourself based on your own particular circumstances. Obviously, the preps for someone who lives on the Gulf Coast of Texas is are going to be radically different than someone living in the Upper Peninsula of Michigan or Wyoming. Yeah. You know, different yeah. climates, People different don't think climates, about that. Different Gardening techniques, the whole works, and in terms of what you need to store, what uh, what fuel supply you're going to store. You know, he, you know, if you live in Alaska, you're not going to store diesel fuel because it will gel and it simply won't flow through through fuel lines. Uh, so you need to tailor your lists to your own circumstances, to your stage of life, to your medical conditions. Uh, you know, it's not practical for for people who are in their 70s or 80s to expect to be able to just pack up and move to some rural retreat and go self-sufficient on their own. You have to tailor your preps and where you live to your personal circumstances, your health, and any chronic health conditions, for example. And it's really time to stock up, team up, and train up, folks. But make those lists and tailor them to your own circumstances. It, absolutely right, and you know uh, the ge- geographical um, uh, issues is something you know people, as you just said uh, about the diesel fuel. Um, people need to be aware of that. Where where would you uh, people who are just fi- just realizing that they uh, want to start preparing that they need to start preparing for some reason, but have haven't done anything yet, haven't taken any action. Where would you recommend? I know you just pointed out the the beginners uh, section on your website, but what would you recommend people do? Do you think that they should, um, you know, some people like me, uh, what I would do is when you when you go to the grocery store, every time you go, you take ten or twenty dollars, put it aside to buy things that you can uh, put in into your into your prep. Sure, just you know, just rice, beans. foods are, are a great way to start. You can just double up on the staple foods that you buy on a regular basis. That's you, something you can do without attracting any suspicion whatsoever. It's not like you have to mail order anything or have any special storage food. Just double up on the you know the rice, the beans, the honey, the other you know staple bulk foods that you buy, and then. Uh, once you have a three or four week supply of food on hand, then get serious about it. Buy yourself some high density polyethylene HDPE uh, food grade plastic buckets. 
You can sometimes find those free at uh, bakery shops or uh, delicatessens, for example. They have used ones that they just throw away that they'll give you because they get a lot of, of things like, like bakeries, for example, get all their icing in these five-gallon pails. And all you have to do is rinse them out. Um, you know, it's one thing to, to get a used pickle bucket from a deli that still smells like pickles, but if you get an icing bucket, it doesn't smell like anything. It's perfectly usable. It's food grade. It's vermin proof. And if you seal food in that, it'll last for years. Uh, at my website, I describe several different methods for making sure that, um, you know, eggs from moths are not going to hatch out. And you, you don't want to have a bucket full of worms when you open your bucket. Uh, so, uh, Think, think in terms of that and also getting mylar liners. And whether you use oxygen absorber packets or the dry ice method that I describe in my, in my blog, just make sure that the stuff that you're storing for longer term is going to be protected from vermin. Stock up in quantity on wheat, rice, beans, honey, all those sorts of foods. Uh, the shelf lives of those stretch anywhere from eight years to indefinite. Things like honey and sugar and salt store forever, literally. Yeah. Uh, and even wheat will store with very decent nutritive value for 30 years. Uh, after 30 years, you still have, if it's stored in a cool, dry place, wheat's still going to have 95% of its nutritive value. If it's whole wheat, that is. Uh, that you would grind later, and every family should own their own wheat grinder. That's another thing that I describe in my blog. But a lot of these store these things store for a very long time. There are some limitations, like beans tend to dry out, at, and after about seven or eight years, they'll get so dry and hard that no amount of soaking will soften them. And then the only way you can cook them is with a pressure cooker. But beyond that, most of these other bulk storage foods will last for years and years. You don't have to buy commercially packaged foods. You can save a lot of money by packaging them yourselves. Again, you can get the buckets for free or close to it. And you really have no excuse because the amount of money that you'll put out buying things like rice in bulk will get you practically an order of magnitude more rice. You know, if you were, if you were to buy just four one-pound pack, packets of rice at a grocery store, what you're mainly paying for is the packaging, not the rice itself. Uh, you, if you were to get the same rice in 50-pound sacks, you're only going to be paying about one-tenth of as much per serving of rice if you buy it by the 50-pound bag. And then it's just a matter of getting proper containers that are vermin-proof to store it in. So not only are you providing in quantity for your family, but you're also going to be eating less expensively per, per serving. So there's no excuse not to prepare. No, you're, you're right. And um, just as you, you described, the little things that we can do uh, you know, just at the at the grocery store with with a you know a few extra bucks every week can make all the difference in the world. And I, I want to uh, I only have a few minutes left. I want to just tell this quick story about what you said is one of the important aspect is is protecting the food that you buy. We, uh, me and my wife, uh, maybe three years ago now, we moved out of our apartment into a house. And obviously, when you move, you got to take all your your stuff and from one place to the other and the storable food at the at the other place I, I had it was in a pantry mm -hmm. and now 
I'm using my basement, and I have you know a lot of the uh, the cans uh, of the freeze dried food, and uh, I had a few. Uh, I forget where I got them, got them from, but I had a few packages of of rice and and a few other things that were in um, almost like a, an aluminum foil type bag, and mm-hmm. in the, in the basement of this house that we moved into the former owner was a, a, a woodworker and he had all these workbenches and built all these beautiful shelves in the basement and i put the, these bags in the in the shelf well you know a few weeks after being there i went back down into the basement to put some stuff away and open the shelves and apparently there's an access point where mice were, were getting into the house oh, and they yeah. ate through the bags now obviously i've since uh i found you know where the the area of the problem was and we, we took care of that, but I learned the hard way uh, about how to pro- the reasons and, and how to protect your food. Because you know, imagine something does happen, and you go thinking you have uh, preps ready to go, and you you open it up, and and it's all gone because rodents got to it, uh, right, or, or weevils or whatever. Yeah, it, yeah, it's, so it's very important. And just use common sense. And again, the packaging materials and the oxygen absorbers are very inexpensive. It's money well spent, but even with that sophisticated packaging, the unit cost per meal is still going to be radically less than food that you would normally buy in a store. And the shelf life will be tremendously extended. Yeah, and and people might think, oh, you know, how could I, I couldn't survive off, off rice and beans, you know, for the rest of your life. But I'll tell you what, uh, it will keep you alive. And just right. even, you know, you as you said. <laughs> They'll lose any compunctions about a steady diet of rice and beans. At least with rice and beans together, you get a complete protein. Yeah. So you're not going to yeah. starve. Of course, people should also store uh, some multivitamins uh, and, you know, to make up for any nutritional inadequacy of what you have stored or for the, the gradual nu- nutritional degradation of what you've stored. So it's really important to have multivitamins and uh, lots of extra vitamin C. And I'm, I'm a big believer in also uh, stocking up on magnesium. I think that's something that's missing, missing from a lot of people's diets, and it's really important, especially if you're going to be doing a lot of heavy exercise, gardening, and, and things, and splitting wood. Uh, there can be a lot of sore backs, and magnesium is as great as an anti-inflammatory. Yeah, uh, healthmasters.com. Ted, Dr. Ted Brewer from healthmasters.com. He'll actually he'll be on tomorrow. But one of his, uh, he puts together these these special packs for different ailments, and one of them is for arthritis, and it's a it's a magnesium pack where he, um, you know, uses magnesium soap, deodorant, and um, shampoos and other ways to to get the magnesium into your system. But he explains how, uh, as you just said, it's a it's a very important anti-inflammatory. And so often with the GMO foods and and the um, all the additives and, and things we see in our foods and water that it is devoid of nutrients. So we have to make sure that we are getting the nutrients that we need uh, and consider that when we're prepping. Obviously, the food, the water, water, food comes first. And uh, but it, it wouldn't hurt to have those uh, extra vitamins and whatnot and supplements. Um, Mr. Rawls, we are at the end of the program. I want to thank you so much for for coming on. And I look forward to having you back on in the future because we didn't even get into an area I wanted to get into, which was um, you know, water storage, water filtration, uh, and prepping sure, and surrounding that. water. Another interview. Yeah, absolutely. Well, thank you so much again for having me on, and uh, I pray the 91st Psalm for you and all your listeners.
Well, God bless you, Mr. Rawls, and, and you have a, a great evening. Uh, it, was a, it was a great, informative interview, and we will have you back on sooner than later. So you take care. Thank you. God bless. That will do it for us tonight, folks. We have a, a interesting show tomorrow night. Dr. Ted Brewer will be on, as well as Robert David Steele. He will be with us tomorrow on our Friday uh, show. Until then, stay safe, God bless, have a great evening.